in five, four, three, two, one. Who are you? He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr. That's what I'm talking about, man. Wait a minute. I know you. Check out the name tag. You're in my world now, Grandma. Yeah, I know that, dude. He's a modern-day Yoda. I'm your huckleberry. Allow myself to introduce myself. Greetings and salutations. We came, we saw, we kicked it down. You're excited. <laughs> Feel these nipples. That boy's good. Good and terrible. Well, I have a microphone, and you don't. So you will listen to every damn word I have to say! This is the Mike Rutherford Show on the Big X. Sportos and motor hits, geek bloods, wasteoids, dweebies, they all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. All right. All right, all right, all right. Welcome, everybody. It is Tuesday, October 17th. This is the Mike Rutherford Show. We're coming to you from the world-famous University of Louisville College of Business Studios here in sunny Louisville. Not really that sunny, but lovely Louisville, Kentucky. Cards fans, advance your career without interrupting it with UofL's 20-month professional MBA, the program designed for busy working professionals. Combine the experience of a top-rated program with the convenience of evening classes that accommodate your schedule Connect with industry experts, expand your professional network, and hone your business acumen. Get started today and earn your MBA. The first step is by visiting business.louisville.edu. We're on the air today from 3.05 until 6 here on 1450 AM, 96.1 FM, I think, today. Streaming all over the land, you know us better as the Big X. Mike Rutherford here with Justin Kalen, a.k.a. Scooter Dingus, in the house on a, it's a Scoots Day, not Tuesday, it's a Scoots Day. Uh, Scoots in for Trevor for the next few days. We're excited about this, the last time. Scoots was filling in for TK. I thought it went very well. I enjoy learning new things about our buddy Scoots. Uh, Scooter, how are you on this uh, Tuesday? I know it's been a long one for you. It has been, yeah. But no, I, I'm, I'm fantastic. I uh, really like the name uh, Scoots Day. Scoots Day. For the day. I, th- I think that's something I'm going to adopt moving forward, so thanks <laughs> for that. Um, no, I am good. I, I've been here since 6.40. I will be here until Ooh. probably about 6.20 tonight, so nearly 12 hours. And the one thing I can be grateful for, though, Mike, is the fact that we are at the new studios, not at the OG studios. A 12-hour day at the OG studios is like a 24-hour day here. So, yeah, I'm grateful for being here all day and being at a nice building. Got plenty of restaurants around me, so I've been able to stay fed all day. And, yeah, it's been all good. 12 hours at the old studio, the OG studio, it's sort of like solitary confinement. Where yeah, like, oh, like, yeah. It's not the, it, it's the mental game. That it's going to play with you. It's not necessarily the conditions or the lack of food or whatever. It's the psychosis starts setting in. Yeah. Like, did I just see Frank walk by in his underwear? Did I? Did I, what, what's going on? What are those kids down in the street doing? I, I feel like I'm hearing things. It's a it's a scary place to be for three hours, let alone twelve hours. Well, there was something to really be said for that place as well in terms of what was around it. There was not a whole lot of anything around it. I mean, you had to drive a good little ways if you wanted to get some food. Here, I can pretty much walk and get food wherever I want. Yeah, the only real markers that I loved, I you know, you had the well the, the skunk spot where Trevor destroyed a skunk that was there for like five months was there. The house that was always flying the uh, F word Joe Biden flags, like on, on the middle of the main street in Jeffersonville, just a, a giant flag that says the F word on it. That that was always a sight to see as you drive in. 
And then if you wanted to go to like Culver's or anything, you had to go go like you know ten minutes down. So yeah. it was it was a little bit. It wasn't. It was slim picking. I must say you are much more observant than I am while you're driving. <laughs> I don't. I drove to those studios for five years and I don't remember any of that stuff. I always did enjoy the the Jeffersonville, the home of like five state championships too, where it was like women's ba- girls basketball, oh, yeah, yeah. nineteen. Yeah, it was, it was like yeah. the one that they shout put, out to them. The one that the, actually funny story about that. So that sign where that's located. That is like some sort of factory or business. I see semis coming out of there all the time. So before I got to college, I actually had to take my SAT at Jeffersonville. And I always remember that sign being there. So I drove to that factory to take my SAT and I drove all the way to the back and I see it's a big factory. I was like, this isn't a high school. (laughs) And so I called one of my buddies who was also taking the SAT that morning. And he was like, it's at the high school off of 10th street or whatever. And I was like, I'm not off of 10th street. So this isn't good. So, and that was, that was back before I had a phone where I could GPS it, you know, but that's exactly where I went. Cause I remember the state championship signs being there. Who'd have thought that Trevor at 43 would have less of an issue taking the ACT than you at, at 17. No kidding. Yeah. That's the, that's no the kidding. Goes. we know we've got the, for the first time ever, we have the, the monitor set up so I can see you, even though we're in opposite rooms here at the new studio, you've set this up. Trevor, it, it was too much for him. It was above his pay grade. It took you two seconds once again. I mean, it's so easy. He's done it a million times. Well, he's, he hasn't done it here. So Scoot's fixing things <laughs> that Trevor just refuses to, that he could easily fix but just chooses not to. We're off to a good start this week. We are. So I, I can see you. You can see me. This is, this, is, this is good. Although I will say, like, I think that Trevor not being able to see me has led to, you may be shocked to hear this if you've listened to the show, less interruptions yeah. or at least fewer. I think he just kind of waits until I stop talking, which is nice. The way that, you know, most radio shows do it. We we don't do that, which is fine. We've we've <laughs> I've learned over the years to just accept it, but I think that it's it's almost helped the fact that he can't see me talking and pick up on when I'm going to stop. Well, I was actually talking to him a couple nights ago about it. I was like, "Y'all don't use the webcam." And he was like, "No." And and he went on this big rant about how he didn't like it and he thought you all got into a good groove without being able to see each other, and he just liked to set up a whole lot more without being able to see you. He's I don't been, know what that says about you, but he, he couldn't figure it out. I think, that's, <laughs> I think that's what happened here. It was it was the the Wi-Fi all over again. Yeah. Uh, Scoots, how are you overall? I know you, it's been a long day for you, but I haven't. I feel like I haven't talked to you in a while. How, how, Ever since the Big X scramble, I know how, how's life. How's been a long updates? time. How's football season treated you so far? Uh, football season has not been good. I'm an Indiana fan, in case right. you forgot. So. Although we did have a whole lot of hope this weekend. I thought we were going to win it when it was 7 to nothing. I was feeling good. And then I look up 52 points later, and we still hadn't scored. So uh, the, other than Indiana football, everything else has been great. Been busy broadcasting. I've, I'm back with uh, Midway doing their sprint football games, and I'm going to be their voice for basketball as well. So nice. big news in my life. It's about to get super busy. So Midway yeah. football, how are they? Uh, horrible. Okay. Well, that's, yeah. it, it, it's starting to seem yeah. like a you problem. You know, the first first game I did for them, they were playing Bellarmine. It was at Midway. Actually, it was at Western Hills High School. Midway doesn't have their own field yet. So we go into the game. Midway had played two games, right? They were allowing 13 rushing yards per game through those two games. Okay. Bellarmine had 16 rushing yards on their first two carries. Not good. So, yeah, they, they pretty much ran away with it. I, I had a lot of hope during that game, but, yeah, no, Midway's terrible. It's not ideal. No. Not great. It may it may be a me problem. You may be right, Mike. Now, I, I do want to get into later in the show, I, I want to talk about this potential speed dating thing oh that's boy. in there at the quarry, which is hilarious. Because initially, we thought this was sent in for somebody who was like, Trevor, this was a good thing for Trevor. 
but they send it in intended for you. They just happen to send it in during our show. Yeah. So I, I mean, the visual of of Trevor just falling over something into the quarry makes me want to do it anyway. Like, they, I just I, I laugh just thinking about it. It's Trevor's talking to a woman, like falls out of his chair and then like rolls I don't know fifty feet into the quarry. Uh, for that visual alone, I want this to happen. But we're gonna get into that a little bit later. Love it. We've got uh, some actual sports things that we have to get to. It's fine. Kenny Payne talked to the media today ahead of tomorrow night's exhibition opener against Simmons College. We're, we're gonna get to that. We've got a women's basketball top twenty-five poll that's out there. Louisville. It, is in it, as you might have guessed. We've got uh, some AP poll facts about the men's poll that came out yesterday. We kind of glossed over it on the show because it was all about Louisville's loss to Pitt yesterday, and that's uh, that's what the people wanted. It's understandable. But basketball season is here as much as we may not want to admit it, but there are some general interesting notes on the college basketball AP Top 25 poll that are out. Uh, we've got some news on the U of men's basketball staff as well. I've got some follow-up thoughts on football. I know that that's still, even with basketball starting up tomorrow, even with the bye week this weekend, football is still the hot topic of conversation, and deservedly so. I mean, Jeff Brom is is off to a 6-1 and one start. Louisville is ranked at the unofficial midway point of the season, or at least the bye week point of the season. Uh, so people are, are are still excited. We've got some bowl game updates, some odds there, some new projections that are out. Uh, we got an update on Dick Vitale that's out there. I want, I want to get to that. And then some, some general uh, national sports news as well. We'll react to the Monday night game, talk a little MLB playoffs. I... I have you watched any of the MLB playoffs? Yeah, a pretty significant amount, to be honest okay. with you. I've, I I caught, I want to say I watched the majority of all the games during the wild card. Haven't been as faithful during this divisional series, so I need to get better at doing that. But, yeah, I, I've, I've paid attention. I know what's going on. I, I know the hot teams. I know Dodgers and Braves are out, and they're crying about it because they had too long of a break. But what it comes down to is Dodgers just stink in the playoffs. So, they. There's my take. They really do, and I bought into them this year. I was like, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna rewrite that narrative this year. All the the, the people talking about the five game divisional series is too short. It's gonna look so dumb. And then sure enough, they they spit the bit in dramatic fashion against a team that they really should not have had much of an issue with. My my major takeaway from the last couple of rounds is that those Phillies crowds, it's unbelievable, straight cocaine, like just absolute drug infused yeah. madness, like. I, Every time I see one of their highlights, and now the trend this month has been for the some of the, the social media sites to do the thing where they, here's Bryce Harper's home run without the announcers, just the crowd noise. Or here's Nick Castellanos' home run, which, by the way, I did love the tweet the other day that was said something like, Nick Castellanos being in the playoffs in a period of global unrest is basically his own personal steroid era. Because you know, he only drops bombs at, at terrible times when there's been a huge tragedy or something terrible is happening. And there's an apology. So now with everything going on, Castellanos, of course, is going to light up these playoffs. But those those clips, every time I see their crowd, I'm just like, I can't imagine if that was me at a Reds game when that happened. I think I would just die on, on the spot. I don't yeah. know if I'd be able to handle it. It's nuts how good they are. And it, I've never liked the Phillies. I still find myself like not being able to root for the Phillies. But those crowds kind of make me want to root for the Phillies. It's a great baseball crowd. It's unreal. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's better than what we're going to get out of any of the other fan bases. But I, I'm with you. I can't imagine being a Reds fan, being in a crowd with that electricity and the Reds in the playoffs, that's probably what the part I can't believe the most. But, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it does seem like a lot of fun, and it helps that the Phillies are just destroying the baseball right now. I mean, you had Harper, Homer on his birthday yesterday, Castellanos. I can't remember who he tied, but he's one of only two players to ever hit five homers in a three-game span in the MLB playoffs. I, I want to say it wasn't George Brett. Someone, someone of that era, though. The only, I mean, so I went to 
the last time the Reds were in a real playoffs. Yeah, they they lost in the wild card wild card game in 2013, and they they went to the the fake playoffs in the COVID year. So the 2012 series, the last time they were in a divisional series, I I went to Game Four at Great American Ballpark, and I'm like, you know, this is my first dose of of playoff baseball, and I'm like, oh my god, this is this is incredible. Like we've got towels, people are going nuts 20 minutes before the game. Here we go. This is the greatest environment I've ever been a part of in my life. And then Angel Pagan hit a leadoff home run for the Giants, and like Ooh. it was it was all downhill from there. Like the crowd quieted down really quickly. Uh, it was the game that we pitched Mike Leak. We called him up off the, the playoff roster because poor Johnny Cueto had gotten hurt in game one. And like, you know, I, I think Big Panda ended up hitting one into the Ohio River at one point. Like, it, the game was over before we even had a chance to hit. It was, I think, 3 nothing in the first, and then it was 5 nothing after two. And the, the really fun atmosphere died down very quickly. You know, sucked. the only fun atmosphere I can think of during a Reds playoff game, and unfortunately it was against us, but that game, speaking of Johnny Cueto, the game they played in Pittsburgh when the crowd was chanting Cueto. It was nuts. And he dropped the ball. I mean, I've never heard anything like that in my entire life. I was like, I, if I, I remember we talked about like how insane it was. I was watching the game with my buddies. I feel like, like Ryan Ludwig was in left field. I'm like... <laughs> I'm waiting for the crowd to just like pull him up there and just start ripping him limb from limb. Like <laughs> they just took Ludwig. Oh my God, they've killed him. Like the, that crowd was absolutely insane. But playoff baseball crowds, playoff baseball and playoff hockey crowds, I feel like are vastly slept on. It's a it's an unreal atmosphere. And I do kind of because I'm a baseball guy. I mean, I I love every sport. Yeah. Besides like you know, like mixed martial arts, kind of. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, know, I, know. I, I can cover that. I know for you're you. into it. I know you're into it. But it's like the one sport, big, like real popular sport that I just don't. I'm not that into. But I do hate that the MLB playoffs get so overshadowed by football, and even to a lesser extent now with basketball starting up. Like I think the NBA starts tonight or tomorrow. It's 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 one of these days. But like people are talking more about that, and it just kind of it shows how regionalized baseball is. If you have a team in. You're following all this stuff. If you don't, unless you're, you know, just weirdos like us, you're you're probably checked out right now and just focusing on on football. Which, again, as as a guy who grew up loving baseball and who still loves baseball, it just it kind of sucks. But you're not gonna shift the playoffs away from October. It's the way that it is now. By the way, it was Reggie Jackson that Nick Castellanos tied. Ah, well, that would that would five make sense. homers in three games. That would make sense. Fun fact about that uh, World Series: my cousin would have been the MVP of that World Series, Brian Doyle. Had Reggie Jackson not become Mr. October there, mm. he filled in for um, uh, was it Willie Randolph, uh, who'd gotten hurt in this series before and hit like 420 in the World Series. He was a career like 185 hitter. He was not a good hitter, <laughs> and he was like just like showed up. And he ended up because of that becoming the very first answer to a sports question on Jeopardy, which is a little known Doyle cousin fact. How about that, yeah, very nice. Five zero two four one four fourteen fifty is the Thornton's text line. We want to hear from you today. If you have questions for me or Scoots or your topic ideas or reactions or whatever you've got, hit us up on the Thornton's text line at 502-414-1450. We'll take those throughout the course of the day. And a reminder, Thornton's is your stop all football season long. They've got the best deals for you. If you want to take advantage, though, you've got to download that Refreshing Rewards app. In order to do so, just go to your app store on your phone, search Thornton's. You'll find it in about 30 seconds. No problem whatsoever. And then you'll be able to save some money at the pump or save money inside anytime you stop into one of the area's 76,566 Thornton's locations. There's that many of them for a reason. They know what they're doing. Do all that and then text us at 502-414-1450. Scoots, did you watch uh, any of the Monday night game last night? What was on your your Monday night plan? Yeah, I watched uh, till about halftime. Um, 
I was going to say something else, but I think I'm going to keep it okay. keep it on the DL. Okay. But no, I, uh, We're I, an honest show here, Scooch. I, we I say what's up, on our minds. So, yeah, no, I ended up eating a gummy last night. Oh, okay. and okay. I, God forbid we talk about I marijuana on this I show. Could, well, I'm not trying to come in and be Trevor Kelsey, you know. You're not because you have because it, it's it's 3:20 and you haven't mentioned it yet. That's so, true. So you're definitely <laughs> yeah, not. That's Trevor would have mentioned it at 3:06. <laughs> yeah, no. So I made that mistake last night and I I was struggling to even get to halftime. So by the time halftime came around, I was like, oh, this game isn't really all that exciting, anyways. I'm just gonna go to bed. And then I proceeded to sleep better than I have in a long time. So is that so? The gummy more medicinal than just trying to have a nice little Monday night, or maybe a little bit of both. I think it started out as trying to have a nice little money. And then it night. just puts you to sleep. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I know people like that. It's, uh, yeah. It's, it's, it's fine. It was too strong. I, I took too much. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, I did watch, I, I picked the Cowboys. Trevor picked the Chargers. I can't flex on him today. I had the Cowboys as well. So I was with you. I, unfortunately, though, I didn't bet. My only, the only bet that I made last night was I thought the Chargers would be leading at halftime. It made sense in my mind. Like they, they're coming off of a bye week. Uh, you know, they seem to be a team that just flails late. They always suck late, which they did last night. But I was like, yeah, they'll carry a slight lead into into the half. They they didn't. Uh, Cowboys were up ten seven, so I felt kind of silly there. And then I also made a like one of those. I had a big profit boost. And I'm like, yeah, I'm just gonna make a wild five dollar wager on the game going to overtime. <laughs> and if it had, I would have won like 120 bucks, which would have been a nice little pick me up. And of course, they you know the Chargers can't run a two minute drill to save their lives. Can't get the late field goal, and the Cowboys end up winning twenty to seventeen. But- I did have, uh, I did see on Twitter last night after Herbert had that ball that was tipped that he ended up catching for an eight yard gain. Yeah. Somebody, a, a gambling account I follow, they posted it was plus fifty thousand for Herbert to get over point five receiving yards, and it turns out it was all big joke. But it was sure, just, yeah. it was just funny. Like it was, how degenerate are you? And that's the first thing you're thinking of after that play, you know. I saw many people that were like, can you imagine the odds? I, I feel like this is where we're going to become as a sports society now, too. Like any, anytime something crazy happens, it's not going to be like, oh, my God, did you see that highlight? I've never seen that before. It's going to be like, oh, I could have gotten 50,000. We're all going to become Kevin from The Office, where it's like, if you get 10,000 to one odds on anything, you take them. Uh, who is the, who, who's the, he's like, if somebody wins, if, if it's like if Bruce Springsteen wins an Oscar, I'm going to be a very rich man. I know I butchered the line, but it's something like that. Have you done much betting since you all have been able to over here? A little bit, only because I've been so successful. Like, yeah, I feel like I'm thumping my chest. We we do our big X big bets of the weekend on Friday. Have you all been actually betting those? I have. So okay. I, I, after the first week, I went two and one, and I I only bet one of them, and I was like, I should have, you know, I should just bet all three. So the second week, I went three and zero, oh, bet all three. This past weekend, went three and zero, oh, wow. bet all three, and then I also like because Saturday went so well. Trevor Trevor went zero oh and three the first weekend because he made college picks with me. And then he he switched to NFL the second yeah. week and went uh, perfect three and zero. So after that, after knowing that he'd been doing so well in the NFL and I had a good Saturday, I'm like, I'm just gonna tail Trevor's picks on Sunday. So I bet the three games that he gave individually, and then I parlayed them, and that was a very profitable Sunday. Wait, Trevor went three for three again. Wait, so you're single betting these and parlaying them? Yeah. That what a great bet. I know. Yeah. I mean, it ended up being great. But now, now I'm getting to the point now where I'm getting the itch, <laughs> and I'm having to just like tone it down. I'm like. You know what? I could. I'm like, if I throw a hundred dollars on you know, this overtime bet, I could win ten thousand. And I'm like, nope, nope, we're not going to do that. We're not going to do this because we're bored. Uh, you know, it's like it's, not not to entice you, but hockey overs have been hitting at a massive clip. Stop! I, I don't. See, I don't want to <laughs> do that. I, I, ten, I so far I've limited myself to betting with very rare exception to things that I feel confident about, to things that I feel educated about. Sure. Like, like I've actually looked at this. I feel good about this. 
I'm going to make this bet. And when that happens, I typically do well. But it's like when I bet on horse racing, when I'm just like, I'm bored and I'm like, eh, let's do a 50 cent super. Let's just pick four horses at random or, or this guy looks good or I hear, hear this horse is good, but I'm not actually going to look at it myself. That's when you start getting in trouble. And that's, I've done, a, I've done very little of that. The only bets that I felt bad about, I bet on the Blue Jays twice because I was having solidarity with Trev and they lost both games. Just mm. kind of read me there. And, and then like, there've been a couple of times where I'm like, yeah, you know, just, uh, make this more interesting. $10 on middle Tennessee state. And then it ends up not going well. But. Now I'm a big proponent of live betting. Do have you done any? I've of done that a little yet? bit of that. Okay, I, I did. I uh, think there's a lot of money in live betting. The, there is, and I can see it. If you know, you have to know the pregame line, though. I've not done great on it though. Like, so when App State was down seven, App State was favored. Whoever they were playing a couple of Thursdays ago, and there was nothing else on. And I'm like, I, I, I think App State's the better team. I've watched a little bit of this. I'm going to bet them live money line. Sure enough, they score almost instantaneously after that, tie the game up at 24, and I'm feeling good. Then they botch their last drive, and Coastal Carolina uh, kicks a <laughs> game-winning field goal. So I'm like, eh, you know, that sucks. So live betting, I've been, been kind of hit or miss. So I'm keeping it simple so far. But, I, I mean, all told, since I initially opened that account, I opened it when we went to the, the, the Memorial Golf Tournament in Columbus because I was going up there with buddies, and I wanted to be able to, to live bet the holes and, and when you were watching them actually play, which is sure. fun. And I got the, the $200 worth of free bets. I made, I'm like the worst nightmare for DraftKings because I made that account. I deposited like 10 bucks. I made like 475, and then I took like 450 of it out. Oh man! Because we didn't have betting here, and I was so like, house money now. Yeah, no. So I was like done. But then, so I, I still had like the 30 dollars left in my account or whatever it was. And when it opened in Kentucky, they had all those like promos. Those yeah, those easy bets yeah. where it's you know if you bet 50 one yard, one point exactly. And so I basically made 150 free dollars off that. Yep. And since then, like I've got the account up over twelve hundred bucks. I withdrew five hundred after Saturday's success, and so I'm like, I'm feeling good right now. But I, I realize this is like, this is how they get you. This, this is how like you get hooked, and then you end up chasing that high forever when you're ten thousand dollars down. So I'm, I'm keeping the bet small. I'm not letting myself get too into it, um, even though it's, it's very hard right now. Well, there's also an additional way to kind of get them, if, if you know what I mean, and that's open a. I got a buddy that does this. He's got an account open in his wife's name. And then anytime there's one of those promos, like Max 50, uh, he gets hit for him and his wife. So while you made 150, he's over there making 300. Yeah. Thinking big. Crazy, right? That, that's smart. Just, just he, I mean, he has it probably with five or six different apps, him and her. I do. I see that stuff out there. And I'm like, if I wanted to make this like a, if I was that serious about it, you know, you have like a FanDuel account. You take advantage of the the, the two hundred free dollars yeah. there. You do the whatever the Bet Online, like all all these different apps because they all do the same types of promos initially. Right. And if you feel confident in your wagering ability, you take the two hundred free dollars and then you hopefully turn it into something. But I also like I don't I don't have time for that, I, and it's I, dangerous. I was jealous of you all though because I mean, not to brag, but we've been able to bet in Indiana since twenty eighteen, but. You all getting all those promos, it kind of brought back the feelings of first being able to sports bet over in Indiana, like all these sweet promos and stuff, which I was able to take advantage of some, so I'm, I can't hate that much. It is crazy, too, seeing like all the the numbers. Now, Kentucky's like, in the first month of legalized gambling, there was like $86 billion wager. I'm like, yeah, yeah we, we, we know this. We've been seeing every other state in America do this, and while I'm glad that we finally got there and that we were not last, because for a long time I thought, you know, We'll be 49, Mississippi will be 50. That's the way it goes in every other major category. We finally got there, and you do kind of, like, like you said, Indiana's had it for five years, and you look at the amount of money that they've been producing, and you're like, this is, look, 
I don't know if you guys have read the the papers recently. Kentucky could use some money. Kentucky's not the wealthiest state in the uh, in the in the country. Indiana's been rolling in that gambling money for five years, but they can't freaking take the tolls off the bridges. That too. Come clowns. Come on. Ridiculous. I'll take our first break. When we come back, I want to talk a little hoops. We're going to hear from Kenny Payne a little bit later in the hour. We'll play his press conference and, and hear what he had to say and react to that. And then we'll hear from you guys on Lee Thornton's text line as well at 502-414-1450. It's the Mike Rutherford Show, Tuesday edition here on 1450-961. Big X. Big X. Tuesday edition, Mike Rutherford Show, on 1459, it's one the big X. Got the show going up on a scoots day. Feeling good. Uh, 502-414-1450 uh, is the Thornton Stocks line. We'll get there in just a second. Scoots, uh, we've got a couple of uh, football notes to get to here on the UofL front before we talk uh, a little hoops. First in the inbox, Jeff Brom has been named to the Paul Bear Bryant Coach of the Year watch list. The uh, He's one of 26 coaches up for the award, which is given each January to the college football coach for their contributions to make the sports better. Let's be real. It's the best coach. We don't need to talk about the uh, the off-the-field stuff. It's the, it's the best coach. Jeff Brom is one of 26 finalists. Uh, we also had... Earlier today, the Louisville offensive line being announced as one of the, I guess, on the midseason watch list for the, the the Moore Award, which goes to the best offensive line in all of college football. Aren't they the ones that flipped the car too? They, some of them were. Oh, okay. The ones I who, thought it was all offensive. Line. I don't think it was just the offensive okay. line. I think Jamari Thrash was one of the players that was out there. Gotcha. Uh, but yeah, the, you know, doing good deeds has to help you in the, all of this. Yeah. So. So Louisville football getting some solid accolades here on their on their bye week. Let me ask you, Scoot. So you know, Trevor and I, as you may have guessed, I'm sure KRC was all UK, Missouri, let's cope, let's talk Jeez, about it, let's be, get through it. It's been exhausting. Our show was very much Louisville Pitt, same final score. Let's talk about it. Let's get through it. Let's Wait, they had the same final score? 38-21, both games. Really? Yeah. I didn't it, realize that. Made it slightly more tolerable seeing – those, those last couple points, those last 10 points for Missouri after the UofL game ended. But still, didn't really help that much because we were wallowing in our own sorrows. For you, you know, Trevor and I gave our thoughts all day yesterday. The text line gave their thoughts all day yesterday. We're all jaded. We're all subjective. Mm-hmm. You are an, an objective voice. Your take on Louisville football at 6-1, and one, but coming up very, very short and looking not great against Pittsburgh on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, I think honestly, it's uh, at six and one. It's been a fantastic season. I I love a lot of the playmakers that Louisville has, whether that's Jawar Jordan or Jamari Thrash, who you just mentioned. Both those guys have been a lot of fun to watch with their explosive play ability. I, I always knew the game at Pittsburgh, and while I didn't bet it, I didn't feel that good about it. But I always knew the game at Pittsburgh for Louisville was going to be tough, especially when you're coming off the emotional high of that win over Notre Dame, a game that. I'm sure Louisville thought they had a chance, but really maybe didn't really expect to win that one. So when they win that one in the fashion they do, and as dramatic as, or undramatic really, as they made that game at the end, it, it, it 
felt like a big letdown spot going into Pittsburgh. So I I really anticipated Louisville having a close game at Pittsburgh. I didn't really think they would lose that game and especially did not think that they would lose in the fashion that they did. I mean, it was especially for a six and one team coming off that Notre Dame win for you to lose by 17 was that was pretty shocking. It was. I, I was talking to somebody today, and, and they were sort of saying, like, I, I couldn't be you because if I had to go on the radio and talk about this, and I, I listened to everybody getting all upset and saying bad things about about Brom and about the team, and about like I wouldn't be able to take it. And I, I told him, you know, yesterday that really wasn't the way that the show went. I was very curious to see. I mean, obviously, every U of L fan is disappointed. The team did not play well. You can say that the the game was not coached well. There were some decisions that were very easy to second guess and you know the, the interceptions the turnovers the just all of it just it, it was a it was the game from hell is what I will call it so clearly nobody was going to be happy about the game but I didn't have a whole lot of on the text line that there wasn't a whole lot of this is the real Louisville this is who we're going to see moving forward the season's doomed it was a fluky six and zero. Jeff I'm rethinking Jeff Brom like there, there was none of that it was a lot yeah. of really tempered a lot of, I thought, rational criticism of what happened on Saturday night. And then people in the next breath saying, I'm still happy that we're 6-1. and one. They can't take the Notre Dame game away from us. Let's use the bye week to get refocused and get healthy, and then let's go and beat Duke. It, it was more of that than I – was there a little bit of overreactionary stuff? Of course, but this is this is sports. You know, you could be – Louisville could have won 75 straight games going into last weekend – and there would be some overreactionary stuff. You know, you, you see it with Alabama right now. People saying, fire Nick Saban. He's lost it. He's too old. Like, this is this is what sports do to people. But for the most part, I thought that, I, I thought that the fan base was fairly rational, which is not something that you typically think of when you think of any fan base, not just Louisville fans or whatever. And I don't think that that was just specific to our show. I'm, I'm thinking that it's most Louisville fans that are upset about the way the team played, but still happy to be 6-1, and one, happy to be in the top 25, and excited about both the the second part of this season and the future of the program under Jeff Brom, which is where I think people should be. Well, and you brought up being six and one. If you tell any Louisville fan that you're six and one at this point of the season, no matter who your losses to, they're all going to take that. You know what I mean? So the fact that, like, that looking back, I don't know how many people are actually going to remember. Oh, this team lost to Pittsburgh. You go down, finish the season eleven and one nobody's going to look back and think, oh, we lost to Pittsburgh, and they beat us pretty handily, you know? And I think for Louisville, with the way the way that the Texers have been and all the media stuff you've said you've seen, you didn't see anybody all that downtrodden, I think it's because how the game played out. Like, the game was, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it was it felt close throughout that just got away from Louisville a little bit late, whereas in the Kentucky game and on KRC, that's all we got is bad text because they were leading 14 nothing right. and ended up losing 38-21. So I think the way that Louisville lost the game has made it a little more bearable for Louisville fans other than or rather than Kentucky fans. So I think that may play something into it as well. Yeah, Louisville's loss, and, and I only saw the very end of the Kentucky game, so I, you know, I've only gone off of what I have heard from UK fans and, and you guys on KRC and stuff like that because uh, obviously I wasn't paying much attention while Louisville was playing. Their game, I, I think, has been more anger-inducing because, yeah. one, you know, you felt like this is a, a team that we're better than, we're playing at home, all this stuff, and you know, you, you kind of just got outplayed in the second half. I think Louisville's loss has been more – it was just a super frustrating loss because you felt like 
you watched that game for four quarters and you lost by 17 to a team that, that looked inferior to you. Like, like Louisville moved the ball consistently on them. Uh, Pitt had three three and outs to start the game. And then it was just self-inflicted stuff, a couple of, of bad breaks, the weather not helping things, not having Jawar Jordan, Jamari Thrash being you know, banged up, probably didn't help uh, even though he had a, a relatively large game. And then your quarterback just not not playing well on the road again. So I, I think it was it's more frustration from Louisville fans, whereas with UK fans, you have this, and it also comes on top of just being waxed by Georgia the week before, yeah. which, which doesn't help matters as, at all. So I think you've got people that were already a little bit frustrated with maybe Mark Stoops and the whole conversation about taking the next step, and and then you you lose to a Missouri team on your home field by 17, one that you feel like you know we're maybe above, a plane above now and we should be finishing above them in the, in the conference standing. So I can see why UK fans would be maybe more angry overall than we were. But it, it's just been nice to see Louisville fans mostly, and I don't want to say taking the loss in stride because it definitely has hurt, and I'm still pissed off about it, but seeing the bigger picture right now. I mean, it was a one-loss Pittsburgh team, or a one-win Pittsburgh team. They're not a good team. Know? So that's uh, looking back, that's pretty pathetic. But, yeah, I mean, looking forward in the, in the schedule for Louisville, there's – not a whole there's not one game on the schedule I think that it's a guaranteed loss at this point and that's got to be a good feeling moving forward it you is. just you cannot have a repeat performance what we saw at Pittsburgh and if you can avoid that I think every single game on the schedule is winnable for Louisville I think Louisville fans also look at this and say this is the trade-off that we were fine with when it comes to Scott Satterfield being a coach that more times than not was going to win the game he was supposed to win and lose the game he was supposed to lose and obviously this is a a bad loss. You were favored by a touchdown. You went up there. It's a bad pit team. They had no wins over FBS teams before Saturday. But I think you take that trade if the if the give is a win over a top ten Notre Dame team, which by the way looked fantastic and just destroying USC yeah, the week that's after. That's what you all needed. I know. Yeah, it would. It, it, this would have been perfect if, if we'd won this game. Yeah. You know, just riding high and being like, yeah, Notre Dame was that good. It, it does. It is a win that will resonate and continue to resonate. Louisville would have been in the top ten, right? God, they would have been close if they if they weren't. But you're probably right. They probably would have been a top ten team, and yeah, they they would have been firm. That playoff talk would have only gotten ratcheted up. It hurts to even discuss, but it's it's true. But I I think that look, Louisville fans, they're going to remember big wins, like you said. I think the pit loss probably will be. I mean, if they go eleven and one, you're going to remember that we lost to Pitt. It's like, oh my God, how can yeah. we not go twelve and zero? But if, if you lose a couple more games and you go 9-3, and three, the Notre Dame win is still going to stand out above the bad things that have happened. And it reminds me a little bit of, now we were a much worse team and the program was in a different place then, but everybody remembers that Louisville beat Florida State in that rain game in 2002. I think what, what fans a lot of fans don't remember is we were 1-2 and two going into that game. We already had two losses. They'd lost to Kentucky in the season opener, and they'd lost to Colorado State in a, in a close game the week before. So... The team was already limping into that game a little bit, but nobody remembers it because it was, hey, we beat Florida State. That's the more memorable thing there. So if Louisville finishes the season, let's say that they have, you know, a, a good year but not a, a special year. They go nine and three. They go to a decent bowl game. Maybe they beat Kentucky. Maybe they don't. Regardless of how the the rest of this plays out, you're gonna remember that Notre Dame game. Mm-hmm. And I think getting those big signature victories. That's why you hired Jeff Brom. They call him Big Game Brom for a reason. And there's something to be said for that. There, there's value in that. It, it, it's it's a a, bolt, a boost to recruiting. It's a boost to a younger generation of fans that haven't had a whole lot to celebrate in recent years. Storming the field, all that stuff. Kids are going to remember that. Those are formative sports memories for a lot of people, and that's why you go out there and you get Jeff Brom. Do you want to see him be more consistent moving forward and avoid that letdown loss? Of course, but that's I feel like that's a 
we'll cross that bridge down the, the you know a, a little bit down the line. Right now, we're just enjoying the, the good times. If there happen to be a couple of bad times uh, thrown into the mix, we'll take that. The good is outweighing the bad. Well, and you've got to remember too. Let's not get all expectations all out of whack because of a six and zero start. You know, sure. like Jeff Brom is in year one, year one, and you all started the year six and zero. Now six and one, but like I said, a lot of opportunity moving forward, and it still could be a really impressive and special season for Louisville in this guy's first year of coaching. So if he's doing this in year one, how's year three, year four, year five, year six? How are those years going to look? You know. So while yeah, this Pittsburgh loss does seem bad at the time, also like you said, Notre Dame game is going to be the one that you remember from this season ultimately because. How many opportunities has Louisville had to beat Notre Dame in the past? It hasn't happened very many times. So you you will remember that game. They were uh, weren't they top ten at the time? Number ten. Number ten. So yeah, top ten win. So yeah, that's what you're going to remember from this season. But you got to be patient. Don't get the expectations all out of whack and just wait. Coming down the line, if Jeff Brom can keep recruiting and getting transfer portal kids like he did, this could be a really good run for Louisville football. I think that's the other thing that you see right now, and I, I I'm certainly thinking it. And this is. I'm not trying to pile on Jack Plummer right now. Lord knows his name has been talked about enough the last 72 hours. But I do think that you look at this offense and you see some of the throws that are out there that Plummer, this is, it's just, it's not a big knock. He, he just cannot make some throws. Like he, he just, there have been so many deep passes this season where Jamari Thrash or Kevin Coleman or Chris Bell or Amari Huggins Bruce has had a step or five on a defensive back and then they've had to come back for the ball because it's just been woefully underthrown. He just does not have a gigantic next next level arm which is why you're playing like Trevor always says your sixth year of college football if you had a if he had a bigger arm he'd probably be play, getting paid to play the game a little bit mm-hmm. but if you can go out there and if you can get one of the let's say 10 best quarterbacks in, in college football which sounds you know it's like oh that's high Louisville a lot of times has had one of the 10 best quarterbacks in college football it's kind of what they've built their brand around uh, for the last 30 years or so if you can go out and get one of those guys imagine the offense with that type of talent behind center because there are throws out there to be made. If you can keep getting dynamic running backs, and it seems like that we're we're pretty good on that front for at least the immediate future, keep building the offensive line, whether it's with a transfer portal or your own guys, keep getting weapons on the outside. If you can just find that quarterback, I think that people get a glimpse of that and think, you know, this this is a it's been a great year so far. You could have some special seasons down the line because this system, it's it's time tested. Like the guy knows what he's doing. He knows how to coach offense and you can get the right signal caller in there. You can put up some monster numbers. Mike, I'm going to say the same thing I just said, but this time I'm ter- doc- talking directly to you. Okay. Keep expectations in check. You're telling me not one of these other 12 quarterbacks on the roster can be that guy moving forward? You're talking about going out and getting the guy out of the portal when you all have 13 quarterbacks on the roster? I am. That's exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> I look, None of those guys can be the guy moving forward? I mean, there was so they- much talk about Pierce coming in and all yeah, that. I- I'm not saying they can't be because who's to say who's going to get better? Like, I think the, I don't think, I, I know they love, they really like the Harrison Bailey kid who was a former top 100 recruit who went to Tennessee, played early there, didn't play great, went to UNLV, did not play great there, and then came here as a walk on. But he's got the type of arm strength that I think that you feel like if you know how to coach quarterbacks, if you know how to coach offense, you look at that and you're like, I mean, he's got the, he's got the stuff that you can't teach. We can mold the rest, we can make him good. I think their issue with him has been, lack of understanding of the offense, and just inconsistent. He'll make a great throw 50 yards down the sideline one time, and then he'll overthrow a guy by 20 yards who's wide open over the middle on the next play. Are we talking about Devin Leary? It's, oh, yeah, wait. Well, he's, <laughs> Devin Leary with a slightly better arm but less polish. 
which is is saying something. So, uh, you know, let's say that they keep him for an offseason and he poli- gets a little more polished. Maybe he can be the guy. Maybe Pierce Clarkson can develop into a guy that's, uh, th- that can run this offense. I know, I know that, you know, he's he's not very big. Arm strength is an issue for him as well. Um, I think that Brady Allen, he is big, and arm strength isn't an issue for him, but he looked lost all fall camp, and he's the, the last man on the depth chart right now. So there will be a nice competition in the spring. I think they'll have a better idea of, of if it can be one of the guys on the current roster who can run the show next year. And if it's not, look, like every year for the foreseeable future, there's going to be a ton of options out there in the transfer portal, and you would assume that one of the bigger names out there, if you're a five-star kid that you know went to, I don't know, Ole Miss, Texas Tech, Auburn, somewhere like that, and you just can't get on the field because there's another kid who's been in that system for longer and just beat you out, but you want to go start somewhere, Louisville and Jeff Brom would seem to be a very attractive option. So, you know, I'm not saying we have to go get Arch Manning, but Arch, if you you know, if you know want to start, why not Why not come here? Why not play for Jeff Brom? Put up monster numbers. So we'll see. I, I, think, it, I think that will take care of itself. I, I think it's a hope, but it's also a belief that this will be the most pedestrian quarterback we have for a while uh, under Jeff Brom. And again, like I think Plummer's a good quarterback. He's just not a great quarterback. And if Louisville's going to compete for conference championships and, and flirt with the, the, the playoff once it expands, you need a great quarterback. There's a sign that I pass on my way home every day. It says he's one of the best plumbers in town. Well, he is. I stand by that. I feel, I feel confident. Are we blaming Tom Drexler, the new commercial that came out last week, for his poor play over the weekend? Is that what we're saying? We've got uh, we've got new odds via Bet Online uh, about where Louisville's going to go bowling this year. Last week, it was a lot of that. There was some Gator Bowl love out there. There was a lot of Orange Bowl love out there. This week, hate to say, the Orange Bowl is off the the betting line. Oh, I know the, the Gator Bowl and the Pop Tarts Bowl are the two favorites according to the odds makers. They give Louisville a thirty three point three percent chance to play in either one of those bowl games, plus two hundred of the odds. Uh, they the, the Sun Bowl in El Paso, Texas, is a 12.5% chance, plus 700 odds. And the only other game on the board is the Dukes-Mayo Bowl, which the odds makers give us a 10% chance of going to, and plus 900 odds. Every other bowl is a 10% shot and a plus 900 odds as well. So there you go. Louisville, uh, yeah, that's not, not as sexy as it was last week, but if you win more games, take care of Duke next week, pile up those wins, start creeping up the, the ACC standings again, then we'll get some of those those games back out there. You have a preference on any of those? A Gator Bowl would be cool. Uh, we, we only played there once. We played there the, uh, the the famous Hunter Cantwell game and the Marcus Vick Stomp game where Hunter almost died and Marcus Vick stomped on Elvis Dumerville's leg. That was a not great. It was Brian Brom was hurt, but the team competed hard in that game and came up just short. That would be, I mean, that's a always a, a bigger bowl game. You're playing an SEC team. That would be fun. Uh Having Jeff, if we win the Pop Tarts Bowl, having Jeff Brom get Pop Tarts dumped on him, that would be fun. Do I, they really do that? I, I'm assuming they do. You know, all these games now that have a, a food sponsor, like the Mayo Bowl, they have the mayonnaise, the Cheez It Bowl. Which I is, just remember the Mayo Bowl because they uh, last year were eating it by the spoonful in the crowd. Remember that? Is, it was gross. It is gross. It's just I love mayonnaise more than almost anyone, and I couldn't do that. See, the Pop Tarts Bowl used to be the Cheez It Bowl, and they dumped Cheez Its all over the coach. And so I'm assuming they're going to dump. Pop-Tarts all, all over the coast. They should do a popcorn slash cheese it bowl and dump both of them. I'm fine with that. A little salty, a little sweet. Why not? It's it's holidays, too. Yeah. Give, give one of those big tins and just dump <laughs> it on somebody. But that would be fun. I, I would enjoy that, and that's a game against a Big 12 opponent. So either one of those. I don't. I just don't want to go to. Sun Bowl has always been a cool bowl game, although I hate that they don't play it on CBS anymore. That was always the cool thing about that game. 
but you play a Pac-12 team. We've played very few Pac-12 opponents over the years, so you could get an attractive game there. That would be, that would be fun. The Mayo Bowl, the Mayo thing is cool, but the bowl game sucks. So. <laughs> I'm sick of Charlotte. We don't. Belk Bowl has not treated us well over the years, and, and the Mayo Bowl, which is what it is now, I'm assuming would not change anything, but neither here nor there. Uh, we had news on the, the UofL women's basketball front today. The new preseason AP and coaches poll came out uh, today. The cards... Again, it's a it's a new look UofL team. We're used to being top ten. We've been a lot, top five preseason a, a lot of years uh, over the past decade or so. Now with all these transfers, nine newcomers from last year's team. Louisville is number seventeen in the AP poll, number fifteen in the coaches poll. And despite all of, you know, despite that being a little bit lower than we're used to, it's still the thirteenth consecutive year that Louisville has been a preseason top twenty team. Wow, Jeff Walls remarkably consistent. And this is of course the only program that's been to the second weekend of the NCAA tournament. Uh, I guess the Elite Eight. Uh, five straight years, so no big deal. Where's uh, where's Indiana in the coaches' poll? Indi- I only saw the AP. Indiana is number nine in the AP poll. They are number looks like nine in the coaches' poll. As well. Oh, okay, that's consistent. Yeah, nine, I have a I have a both. preseason bet on them to win it. No big deal. To win the national title, them and LSU, hoping they play each other in championship. What are you going to learn there? Uh, <laughs> LSU is the preseason AP number one. They received thirty-five of the thirty-six votes. Scoots, any guess on who the other first place vote went to? You said it was LSU and who? I said LSU got thirty-five of oh, the first okay. place votes. One other team got one, the other vote. Had to be UConn. UConn got one vote. Uh, UConn. This is the they've gone seven years without a national title. Which for wow. for any other program is basically like seventy five years. Uh-huh. Uh, Iowa and Caitlin Clark are number three. UCLA number four. Utah number five. And as we mentioned, the cards Louisville, despite being you know ranked fairly high, is only the fifth ranked highest ranked ACC team. It's a conference that they have dominated more or less since Jeff Wall since we made the move uh, in twenty fourteen. But this year, you got Notre Dame who's very good. You got Virginia Tech who's very good. You've got North Carolina who's very good. It'll be a a tall task. Who's the fourth one? Uh, who is the fourth one? Miami? Uh, no, Miami's not right. They lost the Cavender Twins, although one of them just entered the portal. Yeah, what? I was going to ask you about that. How's that work? I don't know. I mean, I, like she can't play this year, right? I think she can. I mean, I, I guess she can. Like they've only got one year of eligibility left, but they, you know, they initially said they were leaving to sign a contract with the WWE. And oh, that's right. Yeah, I forgot about that. I know that one of them. I think I is dating a Cowboys player and she's just been going to Cowboys games and doing TikTok stuff. So I like I thought they were just done with college basketball. They both announced sort of their their retirement from basketball, but now they're back on the table. I mean, hmm. look, the the one one of them is good. I think it's I think it's the one that's in the portal. The other one was just there for social media stuff. Like she was <laughs> she was not nearly as good, but the, the They're ha- not as powerful if you break them up. Yeah, ex- exactly. <laughs> I, I think that Haley was the the one who's in the transfer portal was the one who averaged like 15 points per game for a good Miami team last year. Look, we could. I'm sure we could use her. Although I, I can't. Jeff Walls, I can't see being the type of coach that would put up with somebody who's a bigger persona off the court than she is on it. Like I, I don't think that. I'm not saying he's a he's that old school, but he's definitely old school enough that if this was, you know, if you're basically a TikTok star who plays basketball as opposed to a basketball star who also does TikTok, I can see him having a, a hard time with that. Which I mean, Haley Van Lith, for all the attention that she got on social media, she she wasn't all that active. You know, she just got. Look, let's be real. She she had a lot of attention on social media because she's an attractive girl who plays basketball, but she wasn't constantly posting pictures or TikToks and stuff like that. She was very much basketball first, which is why I think that relationship worked. But 
Uh, we'll see how she does at LSU. I've, I've said it before, hand up. I'm going to be a hater. I hope LSU does not win the national title because I, one, hate Kim Mulkey. Two, I, I think Haley going there was a little bit of a weak move, and I, I want to see them fall. If they don't win in the national title, I will celebrate that day whenever they lose. Do you think she plays a big role there? Oh, yeah. Like I, I don't think that she'll – she won't be option number one. No. But she could be number two or number three. Like I, I, hard to be option number one, and you got Angel Reese. Exactly, and and you know she's also not going to be the you know we talked about her social media standing. She's not the most popular social media nil person on that team. Angel Reese is getting like two million dollars uh, during the off season alone. Tons of Instagram followers. She's starring in Cardi B videos. She's doing all this stuff, and that's not you know that's a little bit more than where Haley is right now. I think it'll be the, what I'm curious to see is Haley never really was the full time point guard here. She did it a little bit off and on. But she, she's more of an off-the-ball player. They're going to make her – like, she's going to have to run the show. Like She's going to be asked to play the point there, and I don't know how well that's going to go. So, we'll see. Selfishly, I hope it goes poorly. That's, <laughs> that's me. Um, again, am I being petty? Absolutely. But at least I can admit it. I just don't want to see her – I don't want to – I hope she does well long-term. I hope she goes to the WNBA has a long career. I've got nothing against her personally, but I don't want to see that team do well. My wallet wants them to kill it. Well, that's, that's I, I placed that bet, by the way, in April. So, wow. got a little better odds. That's fine. Whatever. That, that, that's okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll do it, though. By the way, we'll, we'll talk about the AP men's basketball poll coming up in a, in a little bit. Uh, we had quick basketball news to talk about. Uh, we'll get to it right before the break uh, on the UofL men's basketball front. Uh, Louisville announced a couple of coaching changes. There's a new rule. You know, back in the day, it was always you could only have a head coach and three assistant coaches instructing the team. You had to, you know, teams have gotten in. I think that was one of the, the small things that we got in trouble with. We had ops directors being active participants in, in practice when it came to coaching. Now you can actually have five coaches that are full-time assistants, whether they're on staff or not. And Louisville has chosen to take advantage of this, and they have promoted Gabe Snyder and Milt Wagner to full-time assistant coaches. So two guys that were already, you know, Milt Wagner was the director of player development and alumni relations. Again, the hybrid role between U of, not not necessarily U of athletics. It's a hybrid role between UofL and the athletic program. Gabe Snyder was the director of analytics and video technology. They now will be on-court coaching positions on staff. So congrats to Milt. Congrats to, to Gabe Snyder. I don't think this really changes anything. I don't think this really has a, a gigantic effect long-term. But it's good news for both those guys. When I first saw this news earlier, the first thing that popped into my head is, if you give Milt Wagner this job a year ago, is Louisville in a better spot to land DJ? No. No, no. I think that's what we've learned. What, okay. what we've learned is that Louisville could have made Milt Wagner the head coach and AD, <laughs> and DJ Wagner was going to go to Kentucky. That was just a that that was the way it was. It was never really a a recruiting battle, and that's that's fine. It, it is what it is. You would have thought differently listening to all the local radio shows. I mean, well, because we were all led astray. Like all <laughs> these recruiting guys are like, I'm flipped my crystal ball to to Louisville, and it'd be shock if Louisville. It, and it turns out everybody was just talking out of their ass. Like no, like DJ Wagner's recruitment, I don't think ever changed. And the the one giveaway was I would talk to to Kyle Tucker, who covers John Calipari and is is as close to Calipari as anybody. At least he was a year ago. And he kept saying like, "Dude, Cal's convinced he's got him. Like like he's not concerned at all." And I was like, "Well, Cal typically doesn't lose when he's concerned." So that always made me nervous. And sure enough, he he never really had a chance of losing him. All right, we gotta go to break. When we come back, we're gonna hear from you guys on the Thornton's text line at 502-414-1450. We'll also hear from Kenny Payne from his press conference today as we get ready for the un- second unofficial official start of the U of L men's basketball season tomorrow. Keep it locked right here. It's the Mike Rutherford Show on 1450, the Big X. Like this and like that and-
like this and up it's like that and like this and like that and up it's like this and like that and like this and up drake creep to the mic like a fan well i'm peeping and i'm creeping and i'm creeping but i think i count because my people kept peeping that was back in four o'clock hour now here the tuesday edition scoots day uh, of the mike rutherford show mike rutherford here with justin kalen aka scooter dingus you'll hear him every morning seven to nine on kentucky roll call with tj walker and nick roush you'll also hear him with john spears and what well, you are you doing denison today uh i i produce for him every day but i don't always talk on there sometimes i do okay i, I was telling trevor that i listened one time when i was taking the i guess picking the kids up from school and it was right when we had made the switch back to this studio. Oh, yeah. I talked a lot when we did the move. Because it was, yeah, you, you could barely hear Matt, and it was yeah. tough. He was doing it from remote, and you were you were, <laughs> you were just, like, taking it upon yourself to be like, at least this is happening during football season when no, oh, nobody cares. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're just like, I was like, I don't know if Dennison's signing up with this Dude. statement, but he's, uh, he's, he's well, going for it. No, it's real funny when I'm on there because he's not opinionated at all. It's very cut and dry. He's just going to, he's there to do a show. So anytime I'm on, yeah, I'd try to be very opinionated. I actually got a call from Dugan that night. And he was like, did you really say on the <laughs> on Hoosier Report that at least it wasn't basketball season? I was like, yeah, I did. I mean, you're not and wrong. I, I stand by it. <laughs> it, was, it was very funny. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, 502-414-1450 is the Thornton sex line. We've neglected you so far. We'll get to your thoughts here uh, as we kick off hour number two. This is going to be fun for me because I normally am able to see the text line. Um, but I accidentally logged out of the station uh, Gmail earlier, so I'm not able to see the text line. Okay. Which, so I have no idea what's coming. I can just make up stuff. You could. Scoot sucks at uh, 303. Hopefully no. it's not all like uh, bad audio quality, something I could have done about it during that first hour. Yeah, I don't see any of that today. Okay, that's good. Which is rare. You, good deal. Usually it's, hey, yesterday it was like the first 17 texts, like 961's not working, guys. I'm like, well. So prior to, I still don't think 961 is up for what it's worth. At least it wasn't as of like two o'clock today, but yeah, nobody's th- saying anything about it. They're they're moving some power poles, is what's going on. So there's no power at the OG studios, which is where our transmitter still is. Um, so until that power is restored, we will not be on FM. Well, Trevor was trying to say that the transmitter was like in like like Fairbanks or something. He was he was he was like saying there's a, a different transmitter that we use that's somewhere else in Indiana. I was like, huh. is it not the OG studio? Yeah, I always thought the OG. Maybe it is somewhere else. I don't know. Yeah, I, I trust you over Trevor. Trevor has no idea what he's talking about. Well, here's the deal with Trevor. So I always told him, and I always gave him credit for being the better producer, but I am fully convinced, and he can take me on, challenge me all he wants, but I am the better producer now that we're at the new studios. I, I'm not going to not gonna fight you on that. I would love to take up for my guy, but I'm not going to. Sorry. Love you, TK. No, I love it. Uh, 502-414-1450. Texture says, uh, imagine Sky Clark approaching Kenny Payne before their first exhibition to tell him that he no longer wants to play point guard, but to play Legos as his new career. Uh, they did put out a video yesterday talking about Sky Clark. Huge Lego guy. I enjoyed it. It was a, <laughs> a nice little insight into him. I think the, for all the, for all the bad things about what's going on with Louisville basketball the last few years, one of the, the ones that stands out to me is the video department has been so good. Like we're getting the types of, of videos that we've always asked for. The hype videos are great. The behind-the-scenes stuff is great. And if we had an actual good team, it would be so much cooler. 
But the Corey and those video guys have been awesome, and they did this this cool little feature on Sky Clark and how much he likes Legos and how it you know, it centers him. It's it's a way to focus and pay attention to detail. And he has like a million gigantic Lego things that he's built over the years that are <laughs> gracing his dorm rooms. So it was kind of, it was pretty cool. Wait, he leaves them put together? Yeah, that's that. That takes away the fun of Legos. The fun of Legos is putting something together and then destroying it all and building something else or building it re-back or rebuilding it back, you know? Wouldn't you just build another one? Do people- That's what – I was always a Kinex guy growing up, and I would build <laughs> all the Kinex. Well, I had the big, like, roller coaster one. I had a robot one, and I would build them, and I'd play with them for two, three days. Then I would tear them apart and rebuild them again. So you want – I mean, who are you, Baldessari? You, you want to just destroy your work right after you've – Created it? Well, I mean, isn't that the fun of playing with Legos or Connects is building it, right? Nice. It's not the fun of playing with it once it's done built. I mean, that's all the hard parts done. Yeah, I enjoyed the hard part of Connects. Banksy, <laughs> creating art and just destroying <laughs> it immediately. I don't know. I, I feel like if I was, I, I was never that into Legos. I liked it as a kid, but if I was spending days creating these gigantic, you know, Star Wars, the you know, the Millennium Falcon, and all this stuff, I'd I'd, I'd want to keep them together. You you probably were a Lincoln Log guy. I like Lincoln Logs. Yeah, you strike me as a Lincoln Log I was. Guy. I don't know what that means, but it, you're accurate. I just bet you built some badass houses out of Lincoln Logs. I wouldn't say that. I was I was never... <laughs> More like a shed. I was never going to be an architect, I'll say that. <laughs> my my building stuff was very limited as a kid. Texas says, can Scoots get the podcast version on Spotify? I mean, I'm is, sorry. We, we are, yeah, our podcast does not get on Spotify. What? We're reminded of on a weekly basis somehow. Hmm, that sounds like a Spotify issue. I don't know how. I mean, because I, I do the... Because it distributes, the SoundCloud distributes it everywhere. So right. it should be sending it to Spotify. So sounds like there's a disconnect between SoundCloud and Spotify. I mean, I did. I, I am the least technological savvy person that you know. And I set up our the, the Card Chronicle podcast. Like, well, don't sue me. The CC podcast, formerly known as the Card Chronicle podcast. You can't say that anymore? No, we had a, we had a long story. But we, we, we are the CC podcast now, but which is crazy. I, I run Card Chronicle. I can talk about the website. But if it's the podcast, we can't say our chronicle but i have to hear that story one day yeah it's, it's it's really simple basically like the espionation laid off a bunch of people laid off a lot of stuff and no longer supporting podcasts so we if we wanted to have our feed which we did we wanted to keep our own feed because we have all these subscribers we have all the people that you know have the past shows and if we didn't want to start from scratch we had to you know, they would give it to us but we had to change our name because they mm-hmm. own the name card chronicle which is annoying but regardless um i set that up initially and just set it up on Apple, and it went to Spotify. Put the image in there, did all that stuff. Like it was so. If, if I can get a podcast on Spotify, I feel like we should be able to get the podcast on Spotify. Texas says, "Will KP win this game tomorrow night?" From Chris the Plumber, he will, because Simmons College is terrible. You know their mascot, the Falcons. Had a boy. Yeah, uh, they are. I, I, I had coffee with somebody today, basketball person. We we talked for a little bit. And we were talking about stuff, and and I, I was like, not, not current, not on the staff, not saying that. <laughs> Let's just pump the brakes. Be careful. Yeah, no, because because <laughs> if yeah, anyways. Um, but I was like, I, I feel like I'm gonna have to be the bad guy tomorrow when we're talking about this game, and then Thursday, because Louisville's gonna go out there, they're gonna beat this team by 50, and everybody's gonna be like, man, 109th on Ken Palm. What's Ken Palm smoking? This is a this is clearly an NCAA tournament team, and I'm gonna have to be the guy who's like. Hey, they lost to St. Thomas More by 85 last year, which is not <laughs> hyperbole. That's exactly what happened. They won two games. It, it's a, 
it's a bad team. They're not coached by Jerry Eves. I found that out today. Also, I was, I was corrected on that. They used to be coached by Jerry Eves. He's the AD. Former UofL player Tony Branch is the new head coach for Simmons College. But, it, like, they came here five years ago, or whatever that was, six years ago, for Chris Mack's first team, and they were really bad and not super motivated, did not compete very hard, and it was a game where I thought Louisville could have named its score, and you walked away, and that was – Remember, that was the Chris Mack team that we didn't have a whole lot of hype for. You know, we, we kind of thought they were not going to be an NCAA tournament team. They ended up overachieving a little bit. And when they won that game by 50, even then, even wanting to get excited about a new head coach, I was like, I don't know if we learned anything about these guys in this game. And I feel like that's what's going to be the case tomorrow night. And, and look, I, I'm still excited to see this team compete against somebody outside of themselves. I'm excited to see, you know, what how... how Sky Clark and Trey White can play together. All that good stuff. Karan Davis against the team. But I don't think this is going to be some game where you can glean a whole lot from. Unless, of course, they like get beat or it's <laughs> remotely close in the second half. If you give me the hook on that 50, I would take Simmons College. Would you? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I probably would too. But <laughs> it should be about 50. TJ texted in. It said, Scoots ate what? In all caps with a lot of question marks. Huh? I don't know what you said. Oh, gummy. Oh, you ate yeah, yeah, gummy. Yeah. That's what he's referring to. Yeah. I've already forgotten. <laughs> Did you have one? Uh, <laughs> I wish. I'd be asleep right now. Texas says it's actually if John Cougar Mellencamp wins an Oscar as the Kevin from the office line. Yeah, that is. If John Cougar Mellencamp wins an Oscar, I'm going to be a very rich man. Texas says Mike Scoots will understand this. Living in Indiana, I've associated many sports plays with betting for years now. Actually, my fantasy performance has tanked because I don't care about leagues if there's no money involved. Do you find yourself feeling the same thing, Scoot? Uh, yeah, I thought there was actually going to be more to that text. But, yeah, no, I I am completely out of the fantasy football game this year. So this is my first year not doing any fantasy football, and it's been wonderful. It's just because the the competition without a financial component just doesn't excite you anymore. Well, no, I mean, even when finances are involved, I just, I'm, I'm so bad at it, and it's so frustrating. Like, I, I know the NFL better than – almost anyone I feel like like I watch every Sunday I know all the players I just for whatever reason I stink at fantasy football I always have always will I, I never won a league I don't even think I even ever got close to winning a league plus I hate showing up on draft day and everybody's like oh Justin's here <laughs> he's gonna win the league and it's like y'all I don't know I know just because I do sports talk radio doesn't mean I'm an NFL expert and I'm, I know the exact players to pick in fantasy football I love that your friends give you that much credit, though. My, my friends, I've been doing this for like 20 years, basically, like riding and doing sports. None of my friends ever think that I know anything more than them because I've done this. Like, like none of them give me any sort of leeway whatsoever. If I say, like, hey, I've watched Wright State play basketball a little bit because it was my literal full-time job a few years ago, they'd be like, whatever, you, you have no idea what you're talking about. Like, <laughs> I, I, my friends do not trust me whatsoever when it comes to sports. So it's nice that your friends at least respect yeah, you. For that, sure. That's nice. Yeah. But as far as what the texture's talking about, don't get me wrong. I am excited that sports gambling is here in Kentucky. I think it's a good thing. I think the the net good outweighs the net bad. But there is a part of me that's concerned about it changing the way that we view sports and, and certainly some people having a problem and getting addicted to it. And you know, you know, the, the texture's talking about because I, I'm betting so much on sports, if I'm doing any sort of sports competition without a financial component, it just doesn't excite me anymore. And it's like when you hear people talking about porn being omnipresent now so easily accessible it's why kids like don't have sex or why like you know they just because you know 
you can see the most beautiful woman out there. If, if she's not your type, you can find another one very mm-hmm. quickly. And it's just, it's all at your fingertips. Whereas, you know, when you and I were growing up, we had to work a little bit harder for it. It was, it was a little bit different. It was, it, you know, there wasn't porn just, just everywhere. Well, and if there was, you had to wait for it to download on the dialogue. You didn't know what you were going to get. <laughs> you, you had no idea. It was, it was a, it was a, you're spinning the wheel every single time. It was, it was definitely different. Uh, and yeah, you're, you're a little bit younger than I am. So you, you missed, uh, it, it, maybe it was a little bit easier for you in your form. No, years. it wasn't, but it wasn't, but nowadays, like it, it's so everywhere. It's so present that I do feel like senses are being dulled and it's just, it takes so much to get you excited. And I think it's kind of the same thing with sports gambling now where it's going to change the entire way that we look at sports for a lot of people. See, in, in that regard to the text, that really hasn't happened to me. Now I will be honest. Once, once I started with big X, I like after I don't know a year and a half, two years. I kind of did get to that point where I I did not want to watch sports anymore. I was tired of sports because I talked about it every morning, and then so I I don't know, remember what changed, but something flipped in me and I started enjoying sports again. But in terms of gambling, I I can still watch sports without having money on the line. Money money being on the line just makes it a little bit more sweet. Talking about sports and covering sports and doing all this is not dulled my excitement for sports at all like I, I i feel like especially when i'm if i've written about a team or i've written about this or i've been really focused on college basketball it makes me more excited mm-hmm. what it has done is i don't want to talk about it at oh all. Same. <laughs> when yeah. I, if i'm not being paid to do this then i like, if you're asking me questions in public like i'm gonna give you some answers but i don't want to talk about it like, yeah no i actually was talking about i think that was this morning on krc that we were talking about that i have an employee at the hotel that I see maybe twice, three times a month, and that's the first thing he does when he walks in the door. He doesn't even go to clock in. He just beelines straight for me. Hey, so Louisville's playing yeah. Pittsburgh this weekend. Yeah. What, do you, what do you think? And I'm just like, I'm not working sports talk radio right now. Like, I, I don't want to talk sports. Even when my wife, when she's trying to, like, be the, the, the good wife, and she's like, so tell me again about, like, why people – I'm like, you don't care, and I don't want to talk about it anymore. Yeah. Let's just move on. I'd rather hear about your job, which exactly. I don't I don't understand at all. Like, she's – she talks about her, her pharmaceutical job, and I understand maybe three words. I'd still rather talk about that than, especially when, like, all the scandal stuff was going on, because that was when everybody really wanted, hey, man, like, what's going to, are we going to get a ban? Is this going to happen? And I'm like, I listen to the show. I, I, I talk about it for, like, 75 hours every single week. See, that's a tough line for me, you wanting to hear about her work, because my roommate, he is relentless in the way that he'll come home from work, and he wants to tell me all about how so-and-so said this or acted this way. And it's like, it takes everything in me to not look at him and be like, I do <laughs> not care. Like we can, at that point, I would let, literally rather talk sports with him than hear about how bad his day was or what went wrong. What, what, you know what? I mean, maybe that makes me a bad person, but I just, I literally could not care less about his day at work. There is a lot of that where it's like, she just, Shannon just doesn't understand. And like I, she's, she doesn't understand how much I've got on my plate. And I'm like, well, I, I wish I could just shake Shannon, but I can't do it for Well, me. and since I have that mindset, I am very cognizant when I'm at home, I try not to talk about work. Because, like, if I don't want to hear it from him, I imagine it's probably the same, although he's a better listener than me. So maybe he doesn't mind. That's usually me. I think, I, I think I'm the better listener. Sorry, Mary. I think I am. Uh, <laughs> but she would disagree vehemently. But I also, like, if something crazy has happened at work that I know she does, I like, couldn't really understand. And that she probably just doesn't care about. I just, I'm like, yeah, it's, it's not. Well, but at, at the same time, there are times where people need to vent. You just gotta let them. Oh, do for that. sure, absolutely. Even if you don't care, you gotta at least act like you do. Texas says the gambling money that the states make from betting uh, taxes is a faulty argument because that money just would have been spent on those things people actually need, and the state would collect 
<clears throat> excuse me, the sales tax or property taxes anyway. Gambling is just a tax on poor and uneducated people who can't exercise self-control. I don't think that's really entirely accurate. No. Texas, is it better to hear from Kenny Payne or to not hear from him? Every time I hear him speak like I did today, I don't find much hope or that he has much of an idea of what is going on. Well, it is the catch-22 that we find ourselves in. Is I want, and this is, this is high-maintenance fandom, I want Kenny Payne to talk, but I want him to say the things that I want him to say <laughs> and to talk about the things that I want him to talk about. And he doesn't do that. So... We go, we'll go. we go long stretches without hearing Kenny Payne address the media or do even like a radio spot or a, a podcast spot, and we'll be like, what the hell's going on? All we have to go off of are these, these, these stories that are floating around here, the bad recruiting news or good recruiting news or whatever, and we, we never hear from that coach. And then he talks, and it's never – he's never given you what you want. He's never – like one of my big pet peeves has been when people have asked him about his system – how do you want to play offensively? Like, what do you want to do in detail defensively? He just kind of gives the same regurgitation of these just broad, generalized statements that don't really have any substance to them. And, like, you know, I, I want you to talk about your defensive philosophy, but really talk about it, not just, you know, we've got to be hard. We want to win with defense. We've got to be really aggressive. Just using buzzwords. Yeah. Like, like, let me know how you're going to defend a high ball screen. Cause I'll tell you, I watched 32 games last year. And you never did it one way consistently. You had three different guys that would do it three different ways on three consecutive possessions, and that has me concerned about, you know, regardless of what how much talent we bring in, how successful we can be under your, your watch. So talk to me about that. But we, we never get that. We just kind of get these general variations of just vague statements about working hard and you know, culture and, and team coming together, and, and it just leaves you kind of not – it leaves you wanting more. There's no other way around it. I also didn't like the, and I know people hate when I do this, but I've got to do it again. <laughs> like Rick Patino had his media day today for St. John's, and he comes out there. He also had an open practice where he's you know, there's, there's a video of him going nuts and and really instructing and getting on people, and he comes out and says point blank, the brand of St. John's basketball needs to be brought back. Winning is our priority. Says it outright. Winning is the priority. We want to win. Winning is what this is about. And we've got a head coach who is sitting here and wants to talk about everything besides winning. We're not going to be judged on winning. We don't need to win right away. We have to pass the eye test. And it kind of drives me crazy because this is Louisville, for God's sake. Guess what? Winning matters here. Winning's a big deal. Winning matters everywhere. It especially matters at a program that has won more than 99% of the programs in this sport. So don't act like Winning isn't a big deal. Like I, I want a coach who comes out and does that. Does that come from maybe just his hesitation off coming off of last year that maybe he doesn't even have a belief about winning? I don't know, but it sure seems like it. Yeah. You know, right? Like you know, he leaves himself open to that interpretation. I mean, because when I hear him say stuff like that, it, it kind of leads me to believe. And this isn't the first time that Patino's done this, or that that people have done this. Where like it's what I wanted more of when. Kenny Payne got hired uh, 18 months ago, whenever that was, two marches ago. It's what I wanted, honestly, a little bit more of when Chris Mack got hired in 2018 is Patino gets the Kentucky job. And at his introductory press conference, he comes out and people are like, you know, he, he says, people keep telling me it's going to take a long time to build this program back up to where it's supposed to be. He's like, under my watch, no. We'll be, I think it's going to happen very quickly. Like He comes out and straight up calls a shot, tells the fan base, 
we're going to win, we're going to win big, and it's going to happen faster than anybody is giving us credit for. He comes to Louisville. Louisville's in the lowest place it's been since the I mean, well, the 60s. Yeah, the, the roster is not good. They're coming off of a 12-win season. Uh, they missed the NCAA tournament in two of Denny Crum's last three years. And he comes in and he's like, this roster sucks, but guess what? In just a couple of years, we're going to be back in the NCAA tournament. Like, I'm, I'm going to turn this thing around very fast. It's a proud program. We're going to get to where you guys want to be, and it's going to happen quickly. And now he's saying the same thing at St. John's. He's, and he, he said, we're going to go to NCAA tournaments at Iona. They went to NCAA tournaments at Iona. He always called his shot. And I think you have to have that swagger and that belief if you're going to take a job like Louisville or Kentucky. Calipari did the same thing when he took over at UK. Yeah, okay. but I mean, if, on, in their cases, though, Mike, it's a lot easier for them to be confident and swaggy because they've been in the business for so long. You know, they've, they've seen success. They've brought teams to the tournaments. They've brought teams deep into tournaments. Whereas Kenny Payne kind of came in not really knowing what he was doing, you know? So he's, I feel like that's something. So would you say that you should have probably hired somebody who maybe has that that former mentality? I would be the first to tell you that. I mean, that's what I've said. I mean, I I never liked the Kenny Payne hire. I kind of felt like he was pressured into taking the job. I I thought it was maybe a little bit of a rush decision. But, yeah, I mean, if you are, if he is going to have success here and stick around for a little bit, that is something that he is going to have to learn how to do is be confident, be a little more swaggy, and, That'll come with wins, and and if you see Louisville start to win some games this year, I think he will become that more confident, swaggy coach that you're wanting. But it's it's gonna take time, and and I know that nobody wants to hear that, but it's just how it is. If you think it's going to take time, lie to me. I, I'm straight up telling you, lie to me. Like, tell us that it's not going to take time, because in this day and age, especially, it's one thing if this were 2004 when you're having to build a roster traditionally and it's the recruiting and it's, hey, we're going to throw these freshmen into the fire, but that sophomores are going to be a little bit better and as juniors they are going to be seasoned veterans and that's when we're really going to hit the ground running. It's tough for, I think, Louisville fans to to adopt the whole, hey, we had to, last season was unavoidable, winning four games at a place like Louisville could happen and now it's going to be baby steps back up to the top. When we look across the country and we see programs that are on a lower tier than us, that have also brought in new coaches that are flipping their rosters with the transfer portal, keeping some of their talent in place, but then going out there and having immediate success. Jerome Tang at Kansas State, uh, Dennis uh, Gates at, at Missouri. like All these guys are coming in, and they're winning at a higher level than our guy, and none of them are talking about, we're going to do this thing slow, we're going to do this thing the right way, uh, which was Kenny Payne's phrase when he talked about not wanting to really overemphasize the transfer portal. It's tough to preach patience at a place like Louisville when you're like, man, this is Louisville. Like, it, Programs are being turned around at a very fast rate that have fewer built-in advantages than we do. So don't tell me it's going to take a long time. Like, it shouldn't take a long time. If you've got the goods, if you are a elite head coach, which is what we should hire at a place like this, you should have us in the NCAA tournament in year two, regardless of what we're talking about. And that's kind of where I stand on all this. Well, and that's the thing about the whole Kenny Payne thing is I at the whole the whole time I've just felt like he's gotten such an unfair shake, you know. I mean, you're you are bringing in a guy with a, to a program that has super high expectations, and I just don't know that he was equipped to handle that. And in terms of him lying to the fan base, and I could be way wrong here, but Kenny just seems like one of those guys who doesn't want to ruffle any feathers. He wants the smooth water, so he doesn't want to set himself up for potentially letting down the fans by telling you all, hey, it's going to be a great season. We're going to be much more improved. There's going to be lots of wins coming. And then you go back at the end of the season, it's like, oh, he only won four games. What What does he know? He, he was lying to me, you know? So I, I think it, that opens it up, and 
it makes him susceptible to a situation like that. I think you're right about all of that, and I think it's part of the reason why I'm very concerned that it's just not going to work here. Oh, it's definitely not going to work. Because he's, <laughs> I'll be the first to tell you that. I mean, you hear you're dealing doing stuff like this. You hear secondhand information from people at U of L about what coaches are like and you know like how they treat people and all this stuff. I don't think I've heard a from a personality standpoint. A bad word about Kenny Payne. Right. Like, everybody loves Kenny Payne. He's sure. the nicest guy to work with. When student journalists have to interview him, he's the best interview they have. And like they love talking to him. But that doesn't that alone isn't enough. I wish it were. I, I wish that just having great character and being a, a really likable guy and being somebody that everybody in the business respects was enough to get the job done here, but it's not. And you've got to be you've got to be a little bit crazy to win it. In this sport, at a place like Louisville, or a place like Kentucky, or a place like Kansas, or a place like UNC, or a place like Duke, you just do. And I'm not sure that he's the. I'm not sure that Kenny Payne's crazy enough. You know what this reminds me of? Granted, they're not on like the same level playing field, but Kenny Payne getting the job at Louisville is eerily similar to Tom Allen getting the football coaching job at Indiana. And it's different in the way that Indiana football doesn't have expectations, but you're still bringing in a coach that's never done it before to a big power five program. And yeah, I mean, that's, that's just what I compare it to. I don't, how many wins, what's the threshold next year? What does he have to get to, to get a year oh, three? God. I, mean, this, I, I don't want to quantify it. I hate the quantifying the mil- thing. But like, but this question has been asked a million times and it, it's all I think anybody wants to know. Does 12 do it? Does 12 I, get him another year? Tom Crean got 12 in his second year. Tom, the Tom Crean situation was apples to oranges, and I've. I, I've Why talked, can't fruit be compared? Well, it can be, but it's, <laughs> they're different. Is the point? Uh, yeah, Tom Crean was was forced to play. He was playing like literally like kids that they went and picked up from the student activity center. Yeah, like, it was bad. Know, it, it, I had like a buddy who was like, "Hey, I, yeah, I, I was better than that kid in high school, and I'm watching him play on national TV on the Big Ten Network." No, I'm he like, must must have been talking about Verdell Jones. He, he was like, he was like, I didn't even know he was on the team. He's getting minutes. Like, what's going on here? Uh, I mean, I. I can't say what's in Josh Hurd's mind. Like, in his opinion, is the only one that matters. Well, he probably doesn't have a number on it either. He I, wants to see what the product on the floor. It, it has I don't to think be, it'll be quantified by a number. You're totally right. Like, it has to be more nuanced than just if he goes 16 and 18, he's back, or if he goes 17 and 17, he's gone. Like, you know, I think Josh. Hurd, a lot of people ran with the comments that he made last year, where he said 500 is not good enough for this program, and people were like, "Well, if he doesn't go 500, he's out." And I don't think it's that cut and dry. I, the only thing that I can say is I think that Josh Hurd's threshold is lower than what mine would be. I, I think that he's more willing to accept a a baby step forward this year than I would be, and then I think that most uh, of the fan base would um, be. But if it's another, if it's like 10, 11, 12 wins, I don't think he's getting a third year. I, I don't. I think he's got to get to that 14, 15, 16 win. And like you said, it, it's more it's more complex than that. Mm-hmm. And Louisville fans aren't dumb. Louisville fans know good basketball when they see it. If this team comes out and they look like they've got a a game plan that's that, that works and it looks like that they're playing with a lot of motivation and they're playing hard and they've got a philosophy and a scheme that can be more successful as time goes on and we get more talent in here and Payne builds the culture and all that stuff, then I think you can say, okay, like I'm fine with us. I'm not fine with us being 18 and 16, but I can see that this is going in a more positive place. The issue is right now recruiting is going really poorly in 2024. Yeah. So if you don't have a, a an overachieving season, a pretty significant overachieving season, I think it's hard to really 
capture the the faith of the fan base uh, after what happened last year. Let's take a break. When we come back, I, I do. We've talked about it enough, so we, I do want to play the audio of Kenny Payne today at his press conference, getting ready for Simmons College and the season at large. We'll do that and we'll react to that. It's the Mike Rutherford Show here on a Tuesday here on fourteen fifty and ninety six one. You know, sometimes, like, you just sort of forget that we lost somebody. Like, Coolio is one of those ones that I just keep forgetting that he died recently. You know, you, you, I thought Coolio would be here forever. And it's it's still hitting me pretty hard. Uh, Gangsta's Paradise, one of the two times that I knew I was going to marry my wife, then girlfriend, was when I saw her rap every single word of Gangsta's Paradise. I remember you, you saying that. At, at a club. It was very impressive. And then she also knew every single word to uh, the Get Down Clicks Louisville, which was... We'd only been dating for like a couple months, and I was like, okay, well, this is, she's a keeper. Isn't that the song from um, The Blind Side? Isn't that the f- song that he's rapping when they get in that car wreck? No, no, no. Uh, the rapping uh, is Me, Myself, and I, isn't it? Mm. I thought it was that uh, one. Or Funky Cole Medina. Oh, yeah, I think it is That's Funky Cole is. Medina. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, the, the Dangerous Minds is uh, the... The Coolio song. I don't know if it's in. I can't think of another movie that that's really heavily featured in. Could be wrong. I don't know. Uh, anyways, we we're talking about Kenny Payne a lot during the last uh, segment via the text line. People had thoughts on that. Kenny Payne did talk to the media today to get ready for tomorrow night's exhibition opener against Simmons College. Wanted to give you guys a chance to hear uh, that, and we'll react to it. It's about 15 minutes long. Here's Kenny Payne from earlier today. Kenny, you mentioned after the scrimmage that you hadn't penciled out a starting five yet and that you wanted them to kind of make it hard on you to come to that decision with the exhibition tomorrow. Have you come any closer to maybe penciling out your starting five or the rotations? And if so, did they make it hard on you? Um, Good question. I have not came up with a starting five yet. Uh, The way I'm viewing this is I'm allowing them to make me make my job hard or easy. I look at this like I got 12, 13, 14 guys, 15 guys. I hate to say it to you, I'll start any of those five. I don't care who they are. I just need, and it's more important how you finish a game than how you start. Uh, But also, I want there to be competition everywhere. Um, You know, one of the things that I've talked about is um, defensively, desperate. If I have a group on the floor and the other team is scoring easy, another five may come in. Um, I want the pressure to be on them to know that we're trying to pitch shutouts. Doesn't mean that we are, but we're trying to. It means they may make a shot, but it'll be a hard shot that they're making. Uh, There will be pressure all over the floor, and that's going to dictate how long you play, who's on the floor, all of those things. So I have not made up my mind who I'm going to start yet. 
Uh, a lot of people are very anxious, uh, players and coaches, wanting to see who's going to start that first five in this game tomorrow. But for me, it's more about you know how you play when you're on the court. I'm evaluating every single player, every single player. So, Kenny, what do you what do you want to see from your guys tomorrow night and in, in, in against competition for the first time? What will make you happy out there? I want I want the guys to play with a confidence, with a fire. Um, I want them to show that all the conditioning that we're doing, we can play fast. I want us to be physical. I want us to be connected. I want there to be um, chemistry on the floor, chemistry on the bench from the players, cheering for those that are in the game. Um, I want us to look like a unit that cares about each other. Um, those things are important because if we're going to be a really good team, it's not going to be one guy, two guys. It's going to be a group of guys that have all bought into each other and, and that they're doing this together. Based on what you've seen so far, are you confident you're going to see those that list that you just named? Um, I know what I'm asking for, Russ. I, I think that um, I think they're capable. I've seen it in spurts. I need to see it consistently. Uh, I need to see it when lights are on. Um, I need to see it, you know, when times are hard, not when times are good. Uh, there's a lot of dynamics to this that, you know, in a practice against each other, yeah, you see it. And we have gotten better. But when the lights are on and you're playing another competition, another team that's competitive, that's just as talented as you or more talented than you, I need to see it then. Kenny, have you, um, you know, um, heading into the scrimmage, you said that you had had uh, Sky and Trey matched up against each other, but now that you're actually going to be playing someone else this week, have you started uh, pairing them together on offense and defense? And have, have you not. seen anything there? I have not. I flipped it. I put Sky and Mike against Mike and and Trey against Sky. Now I put Mike and Trey, Mike and Sky together against Trey. I'm trying to find out who's going to fight, who's going to have, quote, unquote, the lesser talent and make it hard on the guys with the more talent. And I got time. Um, you know, I know the games are coming up, the exhibition games, but I'm using every single moment to put these kids in situations where I want them to win in practice and I want them to know why I'm doing what I'm doing. Um, and for the most part, they all have, have, have stood up and, and fought through it. So it's been good to see. Can you talk about the, the leadership on the team? Um, the leadership has been good. People that have watched us practice have came in and talked about how connected they are and connected through adversity. Uh, for example, if, if we're running and guys are behind, the other guys are talking to them. Um, connected in the fact that um, when things aren't right, they huddle up. And I can hear Sky, I can hear Trey, I can hear Mike, I can hear Brandon, JJ saying, look, Hersey, like, listen, guys, he's going to run us if we don't do it right. Let's focus. Let's tighten up. Let's do it. Let's do it because we don't want to do the extra running. I like to see that. 
Um, the leadership, I think, you know, I want it to be one guy or two guys, but it's a lot better when you got six, seven, eight guys. And so that's what I'm seeing trending. Again, we haven't played an opponent. I want to see that same leadership when we're playing Duke, Carolina, Kentucky, uh, Texas, Simmons. <laughs> I want to see that same deal. So that's what I'm looking for. But I'm happy with what we're doing right now. The leadership has been good. You can see guys talking, see guys' spirits. You can see guys leading. Um, I just need to see it when things are hard. I'm going to ask this last week. When we were talking in July, you talked about your staff and you knew what you wanted to do with those two on-court positions. Can you talk about what you did and, and, and kind of moving some guys around? Well, first, I think um, I had the fortunate opportunity to be with Gabe in New York, and he's a superstar. Um, I watched him work every day. I watched him train players every day. I watched his knowledge of the game his knowledge of offenses and defenses at the NBA level at what people were doing, and he was really, really good. Um, and I decided that if I'm going to bring somebody with me, it's going to be a young guy like him who lives in the gym, lives in the film room, studies the game, has a great personality, um, a good person, high-character person. So for me, that was a no-brainer, putting him in there. The second spot is a home run, it's Milt. Um, Milt has been an assistant coach before. Uh, his experience I don't have to talk about. We all know what it is. Um, he knows the game. Again, my brother, he knows me. Uh, but also he's qualified. Um, he's qualified for the job and, and I love having him with me every day. Can you talk about your relationship with Jerry getting this game about and also Tony Branch? I know Tony was already coaching when, even when you came here, but kind of how well you know him. Well, when I decided that this could be a possibility, I called Jerry and I said, Jerry, I need you to get Reverend Cosby on the phone. I want to talk to both of you together. Um, yes, Jerry's family. He's a part of this fiber of Louisville basketball. But also, I wanted the black community, Simmons, St. Stephen's, Reverend Cosby. I wanted them to know that I'm in this seat and I want to do something right and do something good for them as well. So for me, it was more about that, more about having um, a community of people come and support both of us. Um, and for this community and for them to be right here in Louisville, perfect. Um, to do it with, with Jerry Eves and Reverend Kevin Cosby, perfect for me uh, because I respect both. I love both of them and it's an opportunity for both of us to get something out of it. Have there been any tendencies in practice, whether good or bad, that you're looking for them to continue in exhibition play, whether uh, it's been good or bad? For me, I think, um, you know, people are going to test us physicality-wise uh, because you look at Dennis's body, you look at JJ's body, yeah, they're good basketball players, but they're slender. And, you know, college basketball is going to try to, it's physical. Um, and so I'm constantly on these guys about, you may be thin, but you better be hitting. 
if you don't hit, then you deserve to get hit. That's the way this works. Uh, the aggressor hits first. Um, so I'm looking for us to play physical, to build on that, not just those two guys, but all our bigs, all our forwards, all our wings. Um, I'm looking for us to get better at passing the basketball, taking care of the ball, um, playing with a cohesiveness on the offensive end where the ball touches the paint multiple times, where we get any shot we want. Um, and then I'm looking for us to just fight. Um, that's the big one for me, just fight. Fight, not just, not a fist fight, but fight to be disciplined in what you're doing um, to make sure that you're successful. Let the other person know you're in a hard competition and that you're playing it to win. Those are the things I'm looking for. Yeah, Kenny, you've talked about Sky obviously as your primary ball handler. How confident are you so far in Ty Lore and being able to relieve him at times and run point? Very confident, Ty Lore and Hersey. To be to be honest with you, um, Ty Lore is quick, fast. He's aggressive. Um, he's fearless. Uh, he's going to help us this year. He's really a good basketball player. There are things about the college game he's going to learn. Um, and I tell all the freshmen this, it's unfair to you, but you're going to have to learn on the fly. And you can't be a freshman. <laughs> and it's hard when I say that for them to understand exactly what I'm saying. If you play like a freshman like this, the speed of the game is too fast for you. The physicality of the game is too fast for you. Uh, the ability to think and anticipate is too much for you then you need a year or two to figure it out. And we can't be the team we need to be. In order for us to be that team we need to be, we need to be, we got to figure it out fast. Our freshmen have to figure it out fast. Um, and I need Tyler to do that as well as uh, Caleb and, and Curtis, who also is a very good basketball player who I have played him at the point a lot. Kenny, um, just, uh, Speaking about Dennis specifically, um, given given um, uh, given uh, Danny's uh, history and at working with Bigs, how have you seen how have you seen uh, you know and their work together um, on the court and you know um, just that sort of like mentorship grow since Dennis has arrived here on campus? I think uh, all the coaches have done stuff with with Dennis and Danny's done a great job after practice of grabbing Dennis for ten minutes and and just taking him through stuff that he has to do. Um, Dennis is a sponge. Um, this is hard for Dennis. At seven foot one, being able to not just stand under the basket and let offenses come to you and you try to block a shot the way that he did in high school is hard. I'm asking him to play on the perimeter defensively. I'm asking him to play offense on the perimeter and cut to the post. I'm asking his movements to be better. Um, and he's embraced that. now. You may look at it and say, okay, why would you do that? I'm trying to develop a force. If I can get Dennis Evans to figure out all these things and get his body stronger and anticipate at seven foot one and the way he blocks shots and his touch and his feel for the game um, and get his conditioning up, I have a player that can change the dynamic of a basketball team. And that's what I'm pushing him to do. Um, and I hope and pray by the end of the year, 
he is one of the best big men in the country. I think uh, the first thing is when you talk about example volleyball and you see that atmosphere. You talk about the Notre Dame game in football and you see that atmosphere. Um, what you're watching for, from their standpoint is support of a winning product. Um, and they want to be a part of that. I think you have to be blind if you don't see it as an athlete and say, guys, if we pour into this, they're going to come and support us like crazy. We got to pour into this um, and not take it for granted that we're just a basketball team and basketball players that, yeah, in our minds, in our world, people know all of us. Um, you go in California, they still talk about Scott Clark, you, along with Dennis, along with Trey, um, Hersey as well. But now I put you in this environment, you have an opportunity to get a whole community behind you, um, and it becomes national. So I hope they're watching. We talk about it, um, and they understand the importance of having a great fan support. They understand that. They're seeing it firsthand on winning products. They still talk about, at times, the games we played last year when we wasn't winning, and the fans were great. They still talk about that. So. I think they're seeing it and learning from those teams. Kenny, for so many years, results at exhibition games have kind of been an afterthought. But for this particular group, how important is it for them? I know you're going through the process, but to get off on the right foot. You said the key word, the process. Um, I probably would not talk about winning the game. I'm going to talk about being fierce. I'm going to talk about being desperate. I'm going to talk about being the aggressor. I'm going to talk about things that the process will take care of the win. I need them to embrace that. I'm going to talk about if I got a group on the court and you're not playing the pitcher shutout for four minutes, then I'm putting another group in. Uh, and I want that group to try to pitch a shutout. <laughs> so I'm trying to create, through the process, a culture of fighting a culture of perfection defensively, a culture of togetherness offensively to where it'll take care of wins and losses, and we'll see the end result of that. That was Kenny Payne talking to the media today, uh, this, this afternoon, about tomorrow night's exhibition opener, among other things, against Simmons College. A, a lot there to get to, and a lot of it is, as we sort of referenced earlier, the same variation of some things we've heard before. The one answer that I really, really liked was when he was asked about specifically seeing the football team get off to the start, seeing the, the, the fan base kind of galvanized, seeing the crowd at the Notre Dame game and how people have reacted to that. And if it sort of gave him in, a, in, in his team an insight into what can happen if you start producing similar results. And when I heard the question, because I had not heard this before, I heard most of the press comments earlier today, but I had not heard that part. I was thinking he was going to just kind of deflect and, and you know, say some non-answer answer. And he didn't. He, he said, you look at volleyball. 
you, you look at the atmosphere that they've had for their home games. Um, he didn't say specifically, but against UK a few weeks ago, against Pittsburgh last Friday. The, the, the Yum Center, let's call it the way it is, the Yum Center for those big volleyball games, including last year during the NCAA tournament, that lower bowl was filled in a way that it was not filled for any U of L men's basketball game last season. That's volleyball that we're talking about, drawing more to the KFC Yum Center than basketball for some relatively high-profile opponents. And he said, then obviously you look at the Notre Dame game and you see the way that the crowd reacted to that. And you saw the environment that they were able to create for their team because they were they were 5-0. and And he didn't shy away from it. He said, that's what winning does. That That's fan base supporting winners. And he said, I hope our team has, has seen that. And I will say for this group of players, you, you can say what you will about preseason expectations or what they did last year for the ones that are coming back. They have been pretty visible as far as showing up and supporting other teams. You, you see pictures of them at soccer games. You see pictures of them at volleyball games. You see pictures of them at football games. That like I love seeing that. It, it's like they I think that they are fully bought into U of L and wanting to be on the same level as some of these other fall sports that we've seen so far. It's just a matter of actually getting there. Outside of that, I mean, you, you had the. I did cringe at the last answer. If we're just being honest, which we're the most honest sports radio show in the city, when he's asked about, I think it was our guy Kent Spencer who says, given what happened last year, didn't namely didn't specifically say the Lenore Ryan loss, but he's implying it. You, know, you lose the exhibition game, you start off 0-9 last year. Does it mean a little bit more to win the exhibition games this year? And Kenny Payne's like, I'm not focused on winning. I was like, Ugh. He's, he's like, we're focused on being fierce. I'm not going to talk about winning. And I'm kind of like, man, like you, you need to win the game. Well, he brought up during that interview about winning at practice. How are you going to have to win at practice but not concentrate on winning the actual games? It doesn't make a ton of sense to me. No. Maybe, you know, maybe this is me, I don't know if we don't know ball, Scoots, as some people would say, but the Kenny may not care. If you lose to Simmons College in your exhibition game after winning four games in your debut season, a lot of people both locally and nationally are going to care and are going to react to that. So let's just, uh, this is me talking directly to Kenny Payne. Kenny, let's make this easy on everybody. Let's not lose to Simmons College. I know you're not focused on winning and losing, so I'll just say, let's score more points on Wednesday night than Simmons College. It'd make all of our lives a whole lot easier. Let's make sure that that's And happens. his as well. It would definitely make his life a lot easier. He was also asked about the starting five at the beginning there. I think it was the first question, and he was not willing to give anything away. And I'm, yeah, I think that, that generally speaking, starting lineup talk is a little bit overrated, especially at programs like Louisville where you're going to play seven, eight, nine, ten guys in, in just about every single game, and especially when you're talking about an exhibition game where you've got a roster that has nine newcomers. But I am very curious to see how this lineup looks and to see who he goes with. I think that the one thing you know is Sky Clark's going to be back there at point guard. I think you you probably know Trey White's going to be in there somewhere. And then outside of that, I don't think that you know anything. Mike James played very well in the red-white scrimmage. He's a, a holdover from last year. Brandon Huntley-Hatfield was a talented kid that – kind of underachieved. Dennis Evans is a, a work in project, but a work in progress, but he's still a seven, one foot dude who can block a lot of shots. Like, do you start him from day one? I'm very curious to see the first five that we run out, but we won't find that out until tomorrow night. We can talk more about this after the break. I've got a couple other things that I want to get to with scoots. I've got a, a question for him that we'll fill out uh, coming up in the five o'clock hour. Keep it locked right here. More Mike Rutherford show is next on 14. I'll be like on my knees in the night, saying prayers in the street line. Oh,
The Big X Sports Radio, 1450 and 96.1 FM. W- Five o'clock hour here. I mean, actual good hip-hop music. This is uh, how you know Trevor's gone. Uh, we're wishing him safe travels. He'll be back <laughs> next Monday. But Scooter Dingus, a.k.a. Justin Kalen, is in the house. He'll be here for the next couple of days as well. Woo-hoo. Here on a Scoots Day uh, on 1450 the Big X. It is the five o'clock hour of the Mike Rutherford Show. We heard from Kenny Payne there before the end of the break, getting ready for basketball season returning, which starts tomorrow. Uh, I mean, Scoots, you're, you're an IU fan, but you are a general college basketball fan as oh, well. Yeah. I'm assuming you're excited for the return of hoops. I am, yeah, super excited, especially because I'm not really all that big of a college football guy, mostly because I am an Indiana fan, so I really don't really have a, any skin in the game, if you would say that every single tough. year. So, make it hard. Yeah, I am admittedly way more of a college basketball fan than I am college football. So, yeah, I'm I'm a, I'm a super excited. Are you ready? So we got the, the AP men's basketball poll came out yesterday, and uh, – this is going to shock you. Louisville was not ranked. Uh, no. The Cards did not receive a vote for the uh, second straight year. It's the first time the Cards have not received a vote in back-to-back AP preseason polls since 1959-60. But Whoa. I'm still excited for the return of college basketball. I'm still excited for the potential of Louisville to maybe overachieve and get something done this year. Would you like to hear a couple of notable facts from the AP poll that came out yesterday? I love facts, yeah. Kansas, number one in the country. They were... Sort of surprising to me, an overwhelming number one. I thought they'd be they'd be ranked first in the AP poll. Hopefully, thought, the facts go up from here. I don't like that fact. Man, I, I thought Duke would maybe be a little bit closer, but it is uh, the fourth time that Kansas has been number one in the preseason poll. All four of those times, this was a little surprising to me. All four times they've been preseason number one have come under Bill Self. Did not happen once when <laughs> Roy Williams was there, despite all that success. Did not happen back in the day when Kansas was winning all those fake national titles in the the forties and the thirties and whatever. Uh, but they have been ranked preseason number one in 2005, 2010, 2019, and now this year. All of those things have one thing in common. They did not make it past the first weekend of the NCAA tournament in any of those. Oh, things. that's juicy. Remind me of that come March, will you? I will. Now, also kind of unfair because the 2020 tournament got canceled, but that's true. I stand by it. <laughs> a, would you care to venture a guess as to the last time a number one team in the preseason poll wound up winning a national championship. Oh, man. I'm going to go with 1998. I'm going to say Kentucky was. That would have been a long time ago. But it was oh, not a, that long? a little bit more recent than that. 2008, 2009. North Carolina was preseason number mm-hmm. one, won the national title. It's only happened six times since they started doing an AP poll, which is a little bit crazy. Over that same span, five preseason unranked teams have won the national title. So you've almost had as many unranked preseason teams as you have preseason number ones, go on to win the national title. So North Carolina's on the right and the wrong side of history because they were preseason number one and didn't make the tournament. First time ever yeah. last year, which was kind of crazy. Duke ranks uh, you know, second in the, in the preseason AP poll. It's the 16th consecutive year that Duke has entered a season ranked in the top 10 preseason. Wow. Also, you know, come on, guys. Let's, let's not. We don't need to give Duke the benefit of the doubt every year, clearly, because they haven't finished in the top 10 in all 16 of those years. It's maybe just don't pencil Duke in for number six because you get lazy. This year, it's fine. But there have been times in the past where Duke does not deserve that. 
And Gonzaga haters, close your ears. Cover your ears here. Gonzaga is ranked for the 134th consecutive week. That is easily the longest active streak in college basketball. The second closest streak, Houston, at 65 consecutive weeks. Shout out to Kelvin Sampson, your boy for my year. Getting it done down there at Houston. I absolutely hate both of those situations. (laughs) The whole Gonzaga thing, I am. it, it literally makes my blood boil. I hate Gonzaga. Not that I have anything against the program or the school or Mark Few or any of the players. I just, I hate that they consistently get the love that they do and they will never win a championship. I'm, I'm in the same boat with Purdue. They Neither of those teams will ever win a championship. The most controversial thing that I think I ever wrote, when not even controversial, but the thing that generated the most negative reaction when I was doing the college basketball thing at SB Nation, is I wrote a thing saying that Gonzaga has become the most polarizing team in college basketball. Because, you know, a lot of people go out of their way to defend them and say, you know, that they're actually really good. You can't complain about them. If not, you don't watch college basketball. And then you have a lot of people that take the the, the year stance where it's it's all based on the conference affiliation. Then yeah. they'll never win a title. And people, one, they got mad at the take. Two, they got mad that they're like nobody cares that much about Gonzaga. I'm like, well, you're you're, you're 500 comments deep in the section. I think that you you could care a little bit. And it's kind of it's an every March thing with Gonzaga where people just. They're not going to buy into them. It's Doesn't ridiculous. Matter. Well, <laughs> there, there you go. Fires me up. Uh, Kentucky, number 16 in the preseason AP poll. First time in the John Calipari era that UK has not started a season ranked inside the top 15. They Spears said that today on his show, and that blows my mind. That's wild. That is wild. Because you think about, you know, he had one team that you know, went to the NIT in 2013. He had a team uh, in the COVID season that only won nine games. There have been a few others that have been – sort of lightly regarded that wound up overachieving, but nobody outside the top 15 until now. That's wild. And I don't think this is going to be his worst team either. I don't think. Well, I mean, yeah, on the flip side of that, like it's crazy that that's the lowest ranked team he's had. And it's even more crazy when you look at the talent that he's got coming in to for the team this year. Because, I mean, outside of maybe the John Wall team or some of those other early teams in the Calipari era, he arguably has more talent on this team than he ever has. You've been listening to TJ too much. No, I mean, I, I truly believe that. All those guys are – and it may not pan out. They may not gel together or play well together, but they have a lot of talent. I think the issue is, and maybe I'm wrong about this, everybody who follows recruiting that I know says this was like the worst class in, since they've been doing recruiting rankings. Hmm. So they've got some of the best players from that class. I just don't know how good those guys are. They look great in the Global Jam. We'll see if they can look great against other teams. I think they'll be good. Don't get me wrong. But I don't think that Kentucky is a realistic threat to win the national title. I don't. I'm sorry. I don't. And that's not just the rivalry talking. I know TJ's all in. I can tell from his tweets that he's he's very much taking the opposite stance. Yeah, and maybe maybe I should be a little more hesitant because I've been bitten by their optimism in the past. Every year for the last uh, seven. Yeah, every year for the last three that I've been doing the show with them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, more quick facts here. You mentioned Purdue. It's the highest preseason ranking for Purdue since 1987-88, but it's also the second time in three years that Purdue has been in the preseason top ten. They're also number one in like all the computer polls. All for them to lose in the Sweet 16. Can't oh wait. Boy. Oh boy. Can't wait. This is the highest preseason ranking ever for Creighton. Good which for them. Checks in at uh, number eight after almost going to the Final Four last year. I don't know what it is about Creighton, but I really like Creighton. You're a Creighton guy. Yeah. Not year, a Gonzaga guy, but a Creighton year guy. Year in and year out, I really enjoy watching Creighton. Well, it's, I think it's the all offense, not a whole lot of defense yeah, mentality. That, yeah, it goes back to the Tom Crean thing. This is also the highest preseason ranking for Marquette, 
since back in 1977-78 when Al McGuire, <laughs> Al McGuire took the Golden Eagles, I think Warriors then, to the national championship. Marquette is the preseason number five team in the AP poll, but also the only one of the preseason top six that did not receive a single first place vote. Wait, they used to be the Warriors? They were the Warriors. Really? Had did, to change it. Did some like Chief get mad or something? Uh, I don't, Chief they, Warrior? Marquette, they changed their name. It was since like We've Been Alive hmm. to the Golden Eagles in, I, I want to say like early 90s, mid 90s. But yeah, they, they used to be the Warriors. Interesting. I well, didn't know that. A little too aggressive. Maybe they should go back. They were better when they, they were the Warriors. <laughs> Uh, and, and then lastly, Tennessee is in the top 20 for the fourth straight year, which is a school record. But, of course, speaking of programs that flame out and yeah. do not make it to Final Fours, none perhaps more notorious than Tennessee, which I, I think you can make an easy case, is the best program in college basketball history to not go to a Final Four. And I don't think that they're going to under Rick Barnes because that's just not who he is. Well, and that's surprising because didn't they lose that big guy, Plavisic? He's gone. Yeah. yeah. The, the dirty guy. Yeah. But they bring back Vescovi. They bring back and or also Vescovy. like everybody loses a lot of guys, so that they are. They're, they're, I think they're also one of those programs. You're like eh, Tennessee, probably gonna be good. Well, number nine, why not? Number twelve, put them in wherever you. I want don't to. buy it. Uh, the longest streak though of consecutive preseason top twenty appearances. This is surprising to me. Illinois hmm. for their in, in their program history, I should say, four straight top twenty preseason rankings. They had never done that before. That's surprising. I would have thought maybe in the early two thousands. They would have been able to do that. I would have too. Now, Scoot's hard left turn here. Okay. I want to talk. Use your turn signal. I want to talk to you about the speed dating thing that's in in Lagrange on November fourth. So it's at the the Lagrange Quarry. Yeah, I'm sketched out. What is your? Because Trevor's willing to do this. Trevor has. He's very open to it. I think it's a win-win for all of us. One, it's. It's clearly great content for both shows. We did. Trevor took the ACT for God's sake. It was wonderful. Yeah. I let him talk for like an hour. People, some people got annoyed. Most people loved it. By the way, I told him that I've got that in my back pocket. If I ever get desperate enough one day, <laughs> I'll take the ACT just to outdo him. If Kentucky does underachieve this year and people are looking for other things to talk about, we'll sign you <laughs> up for the, the February SAT. We can make that happen. So it's great content for both us and KRC. Two, it's a realistic opportunity to, to find love now you at least like go out and do things you you go mm. out and pu- you go out in public a little bit like you at least a little bit yeah. you, you can meet people on the golf course theoretically sure. trevor can't meet anybody because he never leaves the house right that's the, that's his, my he's problem. banking on meeting a doordash driver i think that's I mean, he's very limited options at this point it's like doordash driver or somebody that he maybe gets into a wreck with when he's driving from <laughs> the radio station to home or vice versa so this is an opportunity for him to at least go out there and meet people so it's the According to, this is at the the FRP LaGrange Quarry on Saturday, November 4th. It's the first ever outdoor speed dating event. It's an outdoor mixer, fire pit, cornhole, non-alcoholic drinks. I don't know about that. What? Yeah. I am out. There's a gorgeous view surrounded by the colors of autumn. I don't know if that can't draw you in, then I don't know what can. Colors of autumn in the in November? The, yeah, right. The, Color of snow, you mean? <laughs> it's early November. It's November fourth. Who wants to do an outdoors event in the beginning of November? No thanks. The women will sit on one side of the table, and the men will rotate to everyone. That's Once awkward. everyone has dated, they will have a chance to list the singles that they would like to match with. If they match, then they will get contact information to make the next steps to getting to know them via email within 24 hours of the speed dating event. Their attempt is to try so they're going to break up the event with two separate age groups, but it will depend on how many folks register for the event. So you won't be like... What are the age groups? 
Well, I think it depends on how many people register. So if, you, if mm. you've got like a lot of people over the age of 50 and then like some like 20s and 30s, you'll, you'll keep the 20s and 30s people separate and then the, the over 50s. See, that's my issue is I want to I be with a 50-year-old. Well, I'm sure you can put like a little disclaimer on your yeah, sign-up. Like I'm 34, but I want to be in the <laughs> above 50 crowd. Looking for a sugar mom. That's fine. So what, what's your major apprehension here? What, what's the, the major drawback? Uh, there's a whole lot. I mean, really, <laughs> when I when I break it down, the fact that it's at a quarry really <laughs> sketches me out. Um, the fact that it's outdoors in the beginning of November is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. I hate the cold. I'm not a the snow guy. Beautiful. I'm sure it is in the summertime when it's filled with water and you can dive off of it. The picture on the flyer does appear to be from the summertime. There's exactly. A, there's a lot of people in bathing suits and uh, in boats. They're just trying to, yeah, pretty it up so you go... <laughs> Yeah, if it was somewhere more traditional, and I don't even know where speed dating events traditionally happen, but if it were somewhere more traditional, I think I would be in. But yeah, I'm I'm so hesitant against the whole thing. And I told Trevor, my biggest apprehension probably is the fact that I'll spend time with a girl or five minutes or whatever it is, and I'll walk away from that thinking, you know, she's really cool. I really like her. And then her next date is Trevor and fat guys are her thing. (laughs) Then I'm done. (laughs) I mean, I would think the opposite. Maybe that could make you look better. Like, if if you had a good five-minute, uh, or however long it is, like 30-second conversation. 30 seconds? I don't know how long it is. I don't, I don't surely know. you get at least five minutes. Did I say how long it was in, in the whole thing? No, I don't remember that, but surely it's more than 30 seconds. Five-minute date. It's, it's a five-minute okay. date. It's just on the flyer. 21 gotcha. and older. And they do use all the pictures are from summer of the, the quarry. Come on. Come on, guys. Oh, the, the foliage does look like it would be great. There's a lot of trees around. I'm sure it's going to be beautiful. Yeah, this time, right? You have to go now. But imagine you have a five-minute conversation with a with a lady, a young lady, or in your case, a older woman, and you think it goes it, it goes pretty well. And maybe in her mind, she's like, yeah, like I, I like that guy. Then Trevor comes in next. That's true. And he's talking about weed and video <laughs> games and, and I live with my mom. It living with got fourteen trade. dogs. I mean and you, a cat that I stole. Your stock skyrockets. <laughs> your, your, your stock can That's only a good go point. up. I, I feel like this is actually a, a, a good thing for you. Unless the unless she's like into bad boys. She know? could but again, like it's not gonna be everybody. I, I feel like the the average woman is going to be more like, hey, like Scoot seems seems pretty cool. Also, another apprehension I have would be, I don't really, and I don't know how this is going to come across, but I don't know that the type of woman I'm after is going to be at an event like this. Hmm. Hmm. You can dissect that however you want, but yeah, I don't know. It just it's it seems like it's got bad news written all over it. I don't. I mean, worked for Kevin from the office. That's all I'm saying. Second, plus, second Kevin reference. Plus, the one thing on the flyer that really kind of bothers me is the fact that it says, are you tired of dating on apps? Are you tired of blah, blah, blah? Well, it's like me and Trevor, neither of us have been dating, you know? So I can't be tired of dating on an app when I literally haven't been dating. I don't know if that works in your favor. You're basically saying neither one of you are even trying. Right. I think that's more of a nudge towards doing this. Whew. If you don't like that, there is also a speed dating event at Rail Yard Billiards and Sports Pub. Ooh, see, Avenue. that sounds more like it. That's going to come up. Uh, it's actually in five days. It's uh, it's this Sunday. I won't be ready. Speed, speed dating, <laughs> it's for ages 21 to 45. Can you at least drink at this one? Because I'm not going to one where I can't drink. It's at a bar, I would assume so. Yeah. It's 1230 to 2. So you're in, you're out, boom, done. Wait, 1230 a.m.? P.m. Okay, so like a lunchtime. Lunchtime. Gotcha. You're in, you're out, you found the love of your life. 
It's twenty five dollars. Trevor did say if we did it, he would pay for me. So that's cool. That's, Got that's, that going for me. I feel like it's a you know it's a it's it's a win win. And if you don't you know if you beat a bunch of weirdos, you don't have to match with anybody. You don't well, have to do anything. It's just an experience. He just he kind of I feel like wants to turn it into a competition, and I just I don't know if I'll be able to swallow it if he beats me. You know, <laughs> like if I lose the competition, what's what's that going to do it's for the me? The last step to push me towards never trying ever again. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. I think you're you're going to be fine. I mean, I think it'd be a good experience for both of you. I say this knowing full well that if I were single right now, I probably would not be doing no. dating stuff. Uh, I, don't, I don't. Who knows? I have no idea. It's been like you say these types of things, but I haven't been single in so long. I've got no idea what I would do if I was if I were back if I were thrown back to the wolves. I would have no idea. I feel like I used to be able to to talk to women. Okay, I've got no idea if I can still do it. Yeah. I'm so out of practice. Like I've made just. Yeah, I would have. No, I've never used a dating app. I never Tinder was a thing. Like after I, I was older and, and off the market, I, like I would be completely lost. I would have no idea. You know, my biggest apprehension with this whole thing is it kind of ruins future plans for me. Like I've said for what do you mean? Probably three, four years now, and I'm, I'm to the point where I actually believe it and believe myself. But I've gotten to the point. Speaking Spanish, I was really good in high school. And now working in hotels, I've gotten to the point where I'm really good at it again. So for the last three or four years, I've had this mindset of if I'm still single when I'm 50, I will move to somewhere Spanish speaking and I'll find my wife there. Are we thinking like Mexico or like Europe, Spain? So I was I was on Mexico for the longest time. I just had this dream. I'll just go down there, work at a resort, let me live there for real cheap and it'd be all good and I'll find my wife that way. But... Who I was slapped in the face by a Colombian this weekend at the hotel. So <laughs> literally, Colombia is in play. No, I mean just like she walked okay. in, and I was like, "Holy <laughs> smokes!" For a second there, I was like, "Well, that's a good story." No, well, and she was talking to one of our housekeepers, and I was like, "So I went up to the housekeeper and asked her about it." I was like, "Where is she from?" And she was like, "She's from Colombia," and I was like, "That's where I'm moving." I feel like Colombian people in general are are very beautiful. Whew. That seems to be the the, the consensus. She though. was. If I could draw my perfect woman, it was her. Well, I mean, you've still got a few years left to, I do. before giving up on English-speaking ladies. So. I got 16 years. If I don't find one in 16 years, yeah, I'm out. See ya. Okay. I think we can still make this work. I think this would be... I just don't know that speed dating is the way to go about it. If you've had a speed dating experience, let us know in the Thornton yeah, text line. 502-414-1450. A successful one. 1450. Speaking of relationships, did you, and I know we're, we're deviating from sports here, but have you seen the, the Britney Spears news today? Uh, no. So she apparently... I guess she's... Wait, hang on. We're deviating from sports on the Mike Rutherford show? I know. Oh, right. no. We, 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 look, we, we gave you two hours, which is more than we typically give on a Tuesday. So we'll, we'll go back to the text line in a second. But I, I would be remiss if I didn't bring this up because people our age, my age specifically, Britney Spears was a, was a huge deal. She was the queen of pop in like the late 90s, early 2000s when I was coming of age. And she's, I guess, releasing a book next week. And so they're doing oh, – they're doing the thing where they're starting to release some of the bombshells in the book to get the stories out there. And the biggest one so far, in late 2000, Justin Timberlake knocked her up. Whoa. Yeah. I told you, bombshell. Justin Timberlake knocked her up. She could see them having a family together. He was adamant that he was not ready to be a father, and so she had an abortion. And she said it's still to this day one of the most traumatizing things I've ever gone through. Wow, because she doesn't have kids, right? She's got two kids now. Oh, okay. With the the, the backup dancer dude, Federline. Got gotcha. Federline. And her, I think her kids hate her. I think that's one of the things that's come out. Like they, they don't they don't talk to her. So yeah, maybe she, she seems weird now. 
she he she said a lot of stuff happened to her, but she definitely seems seems very weird. But she says uh, no comment from Timberlake so far. But she, you know, back back when they were kids, late teens, early twenties, she was pregnant and did not have the baby. That's and crazy. It's pretty wild. That, wild, that baby would have came out of the womb singing. Would have been a superstar. Mixed between Fergie and Jesus. Could have been a superstar kid. Unfortunately, we will never get to. We'll never know. And then. Justin Timberlake and Britney Spears did not last long after that. They made like another year. Who's Timberlake with now? Is he still married to uh, to Jessica Biel? Oh, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. yeah. And they seem happy. Good it worked out him. well for him. Not so much for Britney. <laughs> so, anyway. 502-414-1450. If you have dating advice for Scoots, I let, need us it. let us know. It, people do. People seem, to have, uh, people seem to have thoughts here. Of course, this is what the text line blows up on today. The majority of them will come from people that are married, though. That's what cracks me up. It... I, you're not People following. like you that I know, don't I'm, know I'm, how to date anymore. I'm sitting here giving you advice and telling you what to do, <laughs> and I've got no idea myself. <laughs> Texture says, Scoots, uh, Indiana basketball. <laughs> Starts off with Indiana take. Scoots, Indiana basketball hasn't done anything in your lifetime either, and you're still a fan. Why don't you like college football again? That's true. No, I mean, that's, that's a angry re- guy texting that. That's, that's a really good point. That's I, I can't hate on that. Yeah, but there's a difference between not doing anything as well, like a 3-9 and nine perennial football team and not doing anything and just being a team that's like a – you know, losing in the Sweet 16 or losing in the, the round of 32 in basketball. Well, and even though nothing has happened significant in my lifetime, they did play for a national championship, for what it's worth, when I was 13. Um, but no, I mean, th- there's at least expectations behind it, whereas Indiana football hasn't done anything in program history. Indiana basketball, while it's been a really long time, has. So that's the difference. There's also like a DNA argument. You, you probably grew up like I did, where before you even had conscious memories, yeah. Like Louisville basketball was a thing that I I knew. Like there are pictures of me watching games when I'm two and three years mm-hmm. old wearing U of L stuff, and it's yeah. just like it, it's in your DNA that in, in a way that football just wasn't. Like for 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 me growing up, for sure, I had to. I, I became. I was always a U of L football fan, but like in the until the Schnellenberger days, and then even after the Schnellenberger days when we went to Conference USA, it just it wasn't the same as basketball. Like there wasn't as much attention, and right. that's I think that's. The way a lot of people grew up. I actually, I got lucky because I, all my uncles are Kentucky fans. My dad's a Kentucky fan. All of his brothers are Kentucky fans. But my mom's brother was a big Indiana fan, and he made it his life mission to brainwash me as a child. So I'm still to this day grateful he did that. Good. Texas says, Wendy's breakfast is so good that it needs to be tweeted about? Question mark, question mark. I don't even know that's for us. That is for me because I tweeted about Wendy's breakfast today. Did you? And, it, and if that if you find that weird, go check out all my tweets. They're they're all I'm, – I'm such a loser on Twitter. I've, people in the past have said I tweet like Magic Johnson. I guess I, <laughs> guess I kind of do. At Justin Kalen, PXP is the handle on Twitter. That's right. I did love Magic Johnson's tweet. Like, like Usually I kind of just like gloss over them because they're so ridiculous and – yeah. That's how mine are. He's so bland, but I did have to retweet the one about the Dodgers where he's like, he's like, we're all very mad about our Dodgers, disappointed in the Dodgers. They didn't hit or pitch well. That's why we lost the series to the Diamondbacks. I was like, thank you, Matt. <laughs> well done. That is why you lost the series to the Diamondbacks. I've never had Winnie's breakfast. Oh, it's dynamite. If you're, so good. If you're power ranking fast food breakfast, you've got Wendy's at number one. No, because I've only had it one time. So maybe I just had like a super extraordinary experience this morning. So I'd like to give it a few more tries before I put it at number one. McDonald's breakfast is still so good. I, I don't overall like McDonald's breakfast, I McDonald's. but I freaking am addicted to those damn hash browns. They're so good. So good. McDonald's is great. Chick-fil-A is great. Um, 
Hardee's used to be great back in the day. Mm, that is, the, I, you know, fun fact, I've never eaten Hardee's. Never, like, at not all? Not once. Not dinner, not breakfast, nothing. Jeez. I always heard when I was a kid Classic that it was Indiana. the it was the most unhealthy fast food place in terms of, like, caloric values. So, I just, I yeah, that. I never went. I believe that. Because their stuff's so huge, right? Still good. It, it, it's it, enormous portion size. Yeah. Texas says, uh-oh, Scoots is talking about age groups. Good call saying you want a 50-year-old to offset the Rebecca Black comment from a few months ago. <laughs> Great text. There's that. Texas says, Scoots, the type of woman at the event is just trying something new, and she's brave and probably doesn't take herself too seriously. You need to let loose. Yeah, I mean, I don't take myself seriously either, but I know myself in that situation. I, I probably would take myself too seriously. Well, they're probably just as nervous as you would be. Which, I mean, see, that would be the thing. I'd be nervous, and I would be afraid that my personality wouldn't shine through. You get five minutes. Yeah. Just a little taste. But what if we're on a topic I hate? Like, what if she's talking about her cats? How do I get out of that? You know? I don't want to be trapped in that for five minutes. Can I just, like, stand up and be like, all right, thanks, see ya? Yeah, it's five minutes, though. You, you can move on, but also knowing in the back of your mind the entire time that this is a cat person, and I don't want to be with a cat person. I mean, I don't mind cats, but I'm picturing she's got, like, seven or eight. If they're if they're bringing it up in a five minute speed date, then, yeah, she's then out. That's probably yeah, she's that's, out. that's probably it's the cats are too big of a part of their life. <laughs> Texture says uh, forty. I can't read that. Texture says Tucson. I don't know what that means. Texture says this guy just wants a sugar mama. That perp. Yeah, exactly. Or as I say in Spanish, Madre de Azúcar. Trust me, there's nothing wrong with it. <laughs> Texas, we have to get Trevor out to the speed dating. Trevor will do it. Trevor, yeah. Trevor has yeah. Tre- Trevor has no. You know, now that we've talked about it through like we have, I think the better option for me would just be going with Trevor and like being his hype man and rooting for him. You know, yeah. like like even if I see that he had a bad five minutes, I could like swoop in and be like, hey, this is what he really meant. This is who he really is. I could like try to correct things, you know. I mean, you could also just take the pressure off yourself and then maybe you still stumble into love. Maybe so. Just yeah. saying. Just, yeah, I, I like that. Go go in with lowered expectations or go in with no expectations No, whatsoever. I would go in with zero expectations. Texas, Scoots, 100%, you should go to Spain. My parents had some friends retire there, and you can live like a king for $35,000. Spain's an option as well, yeah. Spain's cool from what I hear. I'll take our last break. When we come back, more dating advice for Scoots, more from you guys on the Thornton's text line at 502-414-1450. A few more parting thoughts on Kenny Payne and the press conference today and Louisville basketball in general. And then we'll look ahead to the night that we'll be in sports. The Mike Rutherford Show here on 1450 The Biggest. Segment here at the Tuesday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show. 1450-961, the Big X. After we get off the air tonight, we've got a little uh, Conference USA football coming your way here on the Big X. Western Kentucky on the road taking on Jacksonville State. It's a 7.30 kickoff on ESPNU. Big game in the CUSA race. The tops are 2-0 in conference play. Jacksonville State is 3-1. Despite that, Western Kentucky is a 7.5-point road favorite. Again, you'll hear all the action right here. On 1450, the Big X. Mike Rutherford's here. Justin Kalen, a.k.a. Scooter Dingus, is in the house today. He'll be back tomorrow and Thursday. If you can't get enough scoots, 
You got 48 more hours of this. Uh, Good sure, grief. I'm sure Scoots is not looking for it. It's, it's a long day for you. People are going to revolt I hearing mean, my voice too much. I mean, you are on here from the start of the the broadcast day for us when it comes to live shows till the end. Like, like Pretty for, much. For these three days. Which is, Other than three hours, the 11 to 12 and then 1 to 3. It's the only hours I'm not talking. It's a long day in this little building. No kidding. That's okay. You've done well so far. We got about 20 minutes left, and then you can get out of here and go get some rest. You know, that that's my apprehension every time that I do this show with you is I worry about the three-hour length, and you always tell me, but it goes really fast, and yeah, today's another shining example of that. It's flown by. I say that, but you and I both have the same worry. Every day at about 2.30, I'm like, <laughs> what am I going to do? How is this going to happen? How is this going to work? And then invariably, it winds up being okay. So it's like, it, yeah, I used to, I remember reading a thing or hearing an interview about David Letterman, not that I'm comparing any of us to David Letterman, but he used to, like every single show, he would like flip out and get so nervous and he was like, I can't, I can't do it. I'm not good at this. I'm going to be terrible. And he would kind of like sitting in the corner of his, of his office, just being like, how am I going to do this? And then when it's time to go, you go out there and, and, and you do it. And that always kind of made me feel better, especially yeah. when I come in here with Trevor and have no plan, which is usually most days. By the way, I'm comparable to David Letterman because we're both Hoosiers. You both are Hoosiers. Uh, you are not a Ball State Cardinal, but that's okay. No. That's okay. Uh, you, you have about, we said, 20 minutes left to get our thoughts in. You got about 20 minutes left to get your thoughts in on the Thornton sex line, 502-414-1450. We'll get to as many of these as we can, and then we'll preview the night ahead in the world of sports. We got soccer. We got baseball. We got football. It's all happening tonight. We got, we got a lot going on. Hockey, of course, is back. Basketball's almost back. How's your team doing? Uh, Avalanche are off to a good start. Uh, they, they had a, a thrilling game the other night uh, that I thought they were going to lose. Uh, they wound up in, winning in a shootout. The abs are, they're good. They were Snake bitten last year by injury. I think this is the year that they are legitimate contenders to get back to the cup. Like they should be very good. Tony Burke, who uh, does the show a lot with John Spears throughout the week, he talked Spears into placing a bet on was it Edmonton to win the Stanley Cup the night before they lost eight to one. Uh, that was a bad look. I st- I mean the Oilers should be okay. They're they're off to a bad start. They are. Uh, I think they've dropped both of their first two games, but. It's not a terrible bet. I think I legit think the, and I'm not just saying this as a fan. I think the Avs are going to win it all this year. I feel confident. I feel good. Hmm. That's uh, going to be hard for them to win when the Lightning are winning. Well, we saw how that went a couple of years ago. <laughs> Lightning will be okay. Lightning should be good as well. 502-414-1450. Texture says, dating advice, don't talk about how much easier it is now to look up porn when you're on local radio. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. Good advice. We're, we we weren't saying that we did it. We're just saying, generally speaking. And or who? I mean, how do you know that you don't show up to a date and the woman's like, "Oh yeah, I agree. It was so much easier, or it's so much easier now." I feel like it's <laughs> fairly common knowledge. It, it doesn't yeah. even have to be by personal experience. People just know that it's out there. I mean, is there anybody out there that doesn't know that there's a whole lot of porn out there available on the <laughs> internet now? If you don't, then that's on you. I'm sorry. Not you don't even have to be have ever looked at it. Cover your ears, kids. It's fine. It's fine. They're all, they're all home from school. It's good. Texas says, also, uh, Texas says, I met my wife on Match.com. Meeting for coffee is a great first date. Not too formal and low pressure. If it's not going well, there's no obligation to stay longer like there is with dinner. Also, Taco Bell is the number one breakfast followed by Chick-fil-A. Hmm. Don't know if I agree with that. And I'm not a coffee drinker, so coffee date wouldn't work for me. Have you done, like, dinner first dates? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually... Yeah, that was, gosh, that was probably a year and a half, two years ago now. I told this story on KRC, but me and this girl, a 
a friend of a friend, basically. Okay. Uh, we found each other attractive, so we went out to a Mexican restaurant over in Louisville, and we had talked during the date about how the bill was going to be split up. And come the end of the meal, it was just me that was paying the bill, just one bill. The bartender refused to split it. Hundred, I think it was one hundred and forty-six dollars. And then we had planned. We had a great time. We were there for like three and a half hours. And planned a date for the following week at like one thirty in the afternoon or something, and she stood me up. What? Yep. After footing the bill. Yep. Ain't haven't seen her since. Well, that sucks. Yeah. Look, but I, I've thought about actually uh, the, the, a lot the last couple of years, like reaching back out to her and be like, "Hey, let's let's give this thing another go." Cause she was awesome. That sucks. That's yeah. That, that, that's annoying. I I do because I mean I've been on dinner days before too where like you can tell 10 minutes in it's like well i'm i'm out of ideas here this is gonna be a long hour and there's nowhere to go like, oh no i mean me and her on that day we were we did not stop talking the whole time well, now sucks. the now the, the tequila probably had something to do with that but maybe there was a legitimate excuse maybe she didn't just stand you up maybe there was something going on she was dealing with a lot of issues with her family at the time so yeah maybe i should reach back out and be like hey everything calmed down for you it's time yeah give this a second twirl why not don't say second twirl I'm not going to say second twirl, no. <laughs> Texture says, see the problem, Miss Scrooge, you're putting the P on a pedestal. No. It's a good quote. No. Texas, That's the last thing I want. It's 541, first time we've gotten this text. What happened to 96.1? <laughs> it is off. That's pretty good. It is off the air. Uh, Texture says, well, now I just have questions about this Pop-Tart Bowl celebration. Do they drop a full-size Pop-Tarts on the coach? Do they drop bite-sized Pop-Tarts on the coach? What flavor of Pop-Tarts do they drop on the coach? In the package, out of the package, do they give the coach a helmet ahead of time? I don't know. See, here's the thing. This is the first year that it's been the Pop-Tarts Bowl. It's got to be the little bites, right? Pop-Tart bites. Yeah, although like having a whole bunch of like, the bigger Pop-Tarts, it's not going to say a health concern. It's not going to hurt you. Like, that would be fine. It may ding a little bit, but... Unless you get hit by one of them corners, they could probably hurt. If you dump a full tub of brown cinnamon sugar on me, I'm, I'm probably giving back the trophy. <laughs> I'd rather lose than have that happen. It's got to be a Pop-Tart that I like. I love those. There's there's not a Pop-Tart that I don't like. I don't like brown cinnamon sugar. Or I love any them all. unfrosted cherry. Ugh. Ugh. See, that one's good. I like Ugh. that because you get like the more of the flavoring. Ugh. But the frosted cherry is better. It's so No doubt. I mean, frosted everything is better. Is uh, that your favorite pop tart, cherry? No, I, don't, I hate cherry. Uh, frosted strawberry is good. S'mores is very good. Um, I like the, the the cookies and cream one that they have now. Very Are they good. still making new flavors of those? Oh, all the time. Seriously? If you haven't checked in on pop tarts recently, they're doing amazing things huh. at Kellogg's. It's incredible. All sorts. They have different things that go like uh, confetti cake pop tarts. Like they just come and go. It's it's incredible, and they're so cheap. It's so cheap. It's, I see them. I see the packages. Anytime I'm in a Thornton's, they've got all kinds of pop tarts. I'm telling you, so bad for you, but so cheap and so easy and so good. Texture says, "Quote: I'm a Connects guy. Explains so much about Scoots. Shady. <laughs> what the hell's that mean? I'm a Connects guy. <laughs> I like to Connects." Texture says, "961 is on, but it was playing country music. That was at 3:23 p.m. as I left school. I haven't checked since." Really? How young is this person? Country music? Too young to be listening to the show. Texas, how many portal QBs have been great since the rule has been in place? I feel like QBs, more than any other position, need time to develop in a new system. Thank you, Texter. I mean, 
more than half of Power 5 conference stars this year are transfers. I mean, if you want to say, like, Joe Burrow, transfer. Uh, who's the, the most of the kids at uh, Ohio State, transfers. Everyone at Colorado. Every, well, yeah. <laughs> but quarterback specifically. Uh, you, you've got a lot of transfers, and, and a lot of them have been pretty damn good. I, I do think that, I mean, like, Burrow sat out, I guess, before he fully took the reins at LSU and had some experience elsewhere. Um, I mean, Oklahoma, Dylan Gabriel has been really good for them so far this year. The transfer from UCF, who did not look great against us last year. I think that just goes to show how good the system is down there. Um, but you can you can definitely find a very good quarterback in the transfer portal these days. And just because they, they want to play, everyone wants to play now. Nobody wants to, nobody wants to wait. Texas says 15-ish wins would probably save KP's job, but it's obvious KP is clueless. Then recruiting better be very good, and he better learn how to get fans in seats. This isn't about not hurting KP's feelings or offending fans. This is a big business that affects a lot of people in this community financially. I mean, you're not wrong. This is a when Louisville basketball is really good. It's not hyperbole. It's not exaggerating to say it makes the the impact of that is felt throughout the rest of the city. I think you know you have obviously the the very easy connecting the dots of the downtown businesses make more money, the program makes more money, the, the KFCM center is bringing in money. It, 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 all of that's an obvious profit. I do think there's also something too, and you can say the same thing about Kentucky basketball in this area and, and clearly beyond. People are just in better moods. People, I think people are more productive. People are, you know, people are going out more. People are going to the games. They're interacting. They're talking about the teams more. It helps everything when Louisville basketball is good, and when they're not, I mean, people are still talking about it, but they're not going to the games and they're not talking highly about it. They're, they're, a lot of people are just checking out. So. There's a lot on the line when you are the head man at a program like U of L or like UK, and if you're not able to get it done at a high level, you should have a, a relatively short leash. Texas says Kenny Payne has zero charisma talking to the media. I miss all of the patinoisms that we used to get. I, I did say like I hate juxtaposing Patino and Kenny Payne, but when you have them talking on the exact same day, it's sort of hard not to. And you've got Payne out there saying, like, I'm not going to even look about winning and losing these exhibition games. I'm going to look at how fiercely we play. And then you've got Patino at the exact same time being like, it's all about winning. Like, we're, like, we're bringing this program back, and we're judging this all entirely on winning. And I'm like, I kind of I, I want a little bit more of that because I don't know if KP knows this, but fans, they like winning. And, and winning's a big part of being a fan. It's so much better than losing. So much better than losing. It, it kind of seems like a full circle moment, though, because you were talking earlier about how that is what Louisville fans need to see. That You all need to see the tight team trying hard, giving effort, because sure. there were so many games last year where that wasn't the case. So I don't think Kenny's that far off base by saying that. I mean, it is an exhibition game. If he's saying that come first regular season game, yeah, then maybe there's an issue. But I don't disagree with him wanting to watch the effort and seeing how hard they try in this exhibition game. I mean, my issue, though, is that that was kind of the, the tagline for last year. That's what you, when you bring a new head coach into a struggling program. Isn't this still last year, though? I mean, no, coming no, off, you can't do that. Coming I, off four wins, though, aren't we still in the same position we were? This is what failed tenures do, and that's why I don't want to do it, because every time that somebody tries to do the whole, you know, this is actually his first year. Last year's a throwaway. Now he gets his guys in. This is actually year one. Every single program that's ever done that, the coaches wound up being a failure, and they've gotten rid of him a year or two or three later. I, you cannot do that because effort level is the bare minimum that we should see in year one under a new head coach. I don't care if all those players were just 
complete a-holes and you couldn't get – like that's your job is to get them to play hard. And we never saw them play hard. We, in spurts, every now and then we saw them. So we knew they could do it. They never get. They never looked like they cared as much as we did as fans, which makes you feel pathetic as a fan. Mm-hmm. And then now we're here in year two, and it's, well, we want to see good chemistry, the building blocks of the culture, big-time effort, and then the winning will come. You can't do the year one stuff in year two. Year two, it should be about let's start stacking wins. Let's make the NCAA tournament. Let's get this thing really rolling. I, 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 I hate that we are just like resetting and, and being okay with it. If we don't, the effort level should be better. There's no, if the effort level's not, then what are we doing here? We're, we're moving on anyway. But if it's just the effort level and we're winning 9, 10, 11, 12 games, to me, that's just, it's not good enough because, yeah, I would expect to take another step forward in year three, but this should not be a five year build. And if you can't win at a higher level than 10, 11, 12 games in year two at a place like Louisville, you're never going to get to a point where you win a national title or where you're consistently going to Final Fours, which, once again, is the standard at a place like Louisville. It's not just making the tournament consistently. It's competing for titles. Like That's, that's who we are, and now there's no NCAA cloud. There's no excuse not to be. Get it done. Texter says, uh, I, I did like what Kenny Payne said about telling the players that we need to win to get that atmosphere. Same. Like, that was the best answer of the press conference. When he was asked about seeing the other programs, specifically football, and the environments that they've had, and if, it, if the players are feeding off of it. And he says, yeah, like, look at volleyball. Look at the crowds that they've got. Look at football against Notre Dame. This is what winning does for you. I, I thought that, that was an open and honest answer. I'd like to hear more of that stuff where you just like, like, let us know that you get it. Let us know that you understand where we're coming from as a fan base and why people are going to be upset when you win four games, regardless of the circumstances, at a place like Louisville. Texas says, Zan Payne might finally get a start. No. Texas, if KP isn't confident, he's in the wrong job and needed to take a lower job then. Well, yeah, I think that's kind of been the point the whole time, time, right? It's – I get why it's an excuse. I, I think that it's one that you can't use. I mean, people people will do kind of what, what you were doing in the second hour where it's like, you know, you can't make the comparison. Like, he's a first-year head coach. He's going to make mistakes. He's, and I think that's – everybody sits here and they're like, well, that's – the justification for not hiring him. Like that, that, that's why it shouldn't have happened. Like, you know, you, this is not a job where you learn on the fly. This is not a job where you, you, know, you work out the, the, the kinks early on and then you're, you're fine later. Like, you are supposed to be polished. You are supposed to be able to win right away. And like, I, I, one of the things that has bothered me since he got the job is this whole I didn't really want the job implication where he has talked about how he had to be talked into it by various people. And, you know, he's kind of like, you know, he has various stories where, like, Damian Lee comes to him or other people come to him and they're like, you know, you got to take the job. And he's like, I don't know if I want it. And, like, that kind of bothers me because I know for a fact that there are relatively high-profile coaches who would have walked across the country to take this job Mm -hmm. and who would kill to have this. And so if, like, you know, if if your heart really wasn't in it from day one and you aren't, 100% 100% fully committed to getting this program back to where we all expect it to be. Like again, like what what are we doing here? Like now, that, that kind of rose me the wrong way. Does Kenny did he have head coaching aspirations prior to taking the UFL job? I I think that that's a question mark too. Like you know, you heard about him being a candidate for various jobs, namely the DePaul job was the big one that was out there and the thing is about the DePaul gig, like I still get two stories every time I talk to two different people. You know the, the 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 story that we've been given as Louisville fans is you know the job was 
Kenny's if he wanted it, and he decided he was comfortable at you know, taking the job with the Knicks and, and moving on and, and not being a head coach at that point in time. just wasn't a good fit for him. And the story that you hear from other people is Dwayne Peavy, who was very close with Kenny Payne, went through the process and, based on his intel, like chose not to offer Kenny Payne the job, and that's why there's a, a rift between those two. And like, Who knows where the truth lies, but the fact of the matter is nobody else really – came for Kenny Payne. Nobody prioritized him in a coaching search, and we did. And I think a lot of people have said, you know, would Kenny Payne be a candidate for the job if he didn't play for Louisville? And the obvious answer is no. But on the same hand, like, like John Shire wouldn't have been a candidate for the Duke job if he hadn't played at Duke or coached at Duke. Right. And there's a lot of instances like that. It's not necessarily saying that it can't work out. It's just calling it what it is. So, I mean, it's... Yeah, he, he, he should have started at a lower-level school. Texas right up. If he wanted to be a head coach, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm not sure that he really did. Like, I think this just kind of, like, this situation fell into in his lap, and he felt pressure to take it, and I think some people felt pressure to give it to him, and, and I, I, it felt wrong. I'm hoping it all works out, but it felt like things were done for the wrong reasons from the beginning. I mean, I'm sure the money didn't hurt. Texas, by the way, I'm not a student. I left school because I'm a teacher. Oh, that makes me feel bad. <laughs> you... you, you you are old enough to. <laughs> That's how I took it, Texter. Texas, I wanted Grayson McCall from Coastal Carolina for our team this year. I thought he was the next obvious choice as the next guy in line. Who was like Austin Reed since we prioritized him? But I get taking Plummer and already knowing Brahms' off- offense. I mean, you and Trevor Kelsey loves Grayson McCall. I don't know if Grayson McCall was a realistic option for us. I mean, I, I think that he kind of – I've never heard otherwise. I, I've never heard that he was – somebody who had mutual interest in us. I've just kind of heard that he was going to stay at, at Coastal. But if we could have had him, yeah, he would have been he would, he would have been a great fit for sure. Texas says, how fierce are you playing if you aren't beating those exhibition teams? Could you really be satisfied with the ferocity or effort? It's, it, it's a good point. I mean, if we play hard, we should beat Simmons College. Yeah. I mean, hell, if, if we don't, I'm just being real. If we don't play hard, we should beat Simmons College. But if you, yeah, I don't think, you're not like, you're not being unfocused if you say we want to win. I think it's fine with saying, like, I'm more focused on the effort level and the chemistry and stuff, but obviously we want to win the game. And he's just like, eh, I don't care about winning, which we need to be. Texas, welcome to Wrexham is a really good show and a good reminder of how a local sports team affects people's morale. It is. And I've not started the new season. The first season I loved. I cannot recommend it highly enough. I, I've got the first, whatever, six episodes of the new season DVR, I'm ready to go. I think I'm going to start watching it once we get once the whole season's out and can fly through it. But have you watched any of that, Scoots? I have not. No. It's awesome. I mean, Ryan Reynolds and uh, Rob uh, McElhaney from It's Always Sunny. I'm surprised I haven't watched it because I'm a big soccer guy. Yeah, they, they buy like a soccer team in Wales that's in the lowest professional division of English soccer You know, with this like long-term goal of eventually building them up and getting them to the Premier League. You know, you've got, They have to be promoted, yeah. I guess, five times to get to the Premier League mm-hmm. and you know all the challenges that come with it. And it's this community that's obsessed with its soccer team, but has seen it fall in hard times. It, it's it's a really good show. It, it's kind of like a real-life docuseries on a, a Ted Lasso situation on a lower level. I think I've somewhat rebelled against it because I'm a Bundesliga guy. I, I refuse to believe that You're a German English guy. Premier League's better. Well, I mean, it is, but that's okay. <laughs> Texas says no one else coming for KP is why I was ignorant for her to agree to that $10 million buyout. It felt weird. It felt it, it felt strange, um, but he did. It does go down by two million dollars every year, so it's it is no longer 
it's no longer $10 million. Texas says, I like season two more than season one of Welcome to Wrexham. Both good, but season two is, is more exciting. I know how it ends. So, like, I, I'm definitely excited to see that. But season one was, was great. I'm excited for season two. Texas says, also, it's not Kenny's fault, but all the money people who were vying for her to hire KP said there would be no acclimation process because he had 30 years experience. But now those same people are saying he's a first-time coach. You're not wrong. That, that's exactly what happened. You had a lot of people with big money that have not spoken up in these situations before that were willing to speak up on this one who all said he's going to succeed right away because of A, B, and C. And now a lot of those people are saying he couldn't succeed right away because of A, B, and C. And, I mean, again, I'm hoping that all those people are right and that eventually his prowess, his recruiting, his acumen, his charisma, all that stuff is going to result in us being back near the top of the heap in college basketball in relatively short order. I'm also just saying I, I, I need to see some proof if that's going to happen. Um, Texter says, Texas is great. Kenny Payne still has no idea who he's starting and isn't ruling out starting walk-ons. Like, I get what he's trying to say, but can you please phrase it in a way that makes us think that you have some idea of what you're doing? Um, I mean, he's, he's, he's just trying to harp on the depth. I know that that's – do I really think that, that he believes that there are 15 guys on this team that are interchangeable? No. I, I mean, I, I hope not. I'm, I'm choosing not to believe that. I think that – I do think that you could see a starting five on Wednesday against Simmons that is not the same starting five that you see 12 days later against Kentucky Wesleyan because I, I think all we really know is Sky Clark and Trey Wyatt are going to start. I don't think we have any – Mike James, I assume – is going to be a starter at somewhere, but then the four and the five, I'm I'm very curious. Like, you know, do you is Big Dennis going to start from game one at center? Is Brandon Huntley Hatfield going to start after a really average first season here and kind of being criticized by Payne during the offseason? Is uh, you know JJ Trainer a core for? Is Emmanuel Corfor, who had a nice little summer, is he going to start? And if or, he does, is he at the four or the five? Or as they called him when they were up there playing, Okafor. Okafor, yeah. Did you watch that game or any of those? I saw the highlights. They called him Okafor every freaking time he touched it. Wasn't I'm the sitting time. there screaming at my TV. Can somebody get these guys some information? The first time, not going to be the last time. All right, uh, tonight in the world of sports, we've got a, a few different options going on. How about this? USA Ghana. International friendly, 8.30 p.m. in Nashville. You can watch it on TNT. Does the U.S. men's national team get it done tonight? Scoots, what say you? They do. 2-0. Two, two, two I'm saying the same thing. Dos a cero. 2-0. Two, two a bad night to be a Ghana fan. <laughs> uh, MLB, we've got the Diamondbacks-Phillies. Game two, that's an 8-17 uh, first pitch. 8-07. 8-07 first pitch. Who you got in game two? I'm going to roll with the Phillies. I'm going to stick with their playoff crowds. They're going to show up tonight. Minimum ticket price, by the way, get in the door, I think was 256 earlier. Oh, it's insane, so, but I love it. Yeah. I think the Phillies are sweeping. I said it yesterday. I'll say it again. I think they win, and we're. I think we're on a collision course for a Phils-Rangers World Series, although I think the Rangers are going to get pushed. I think the Astros will still get a couple games in that series mm, before all said and no, done. No shot. You don't think? They may get one. They won't get multiple, no. And then, lastly, you can hear it right here on 1450 The Big X. If you want to watch it on TV, it's on ESPNU. Western Kentucky on the road taking on Jacksonville State. Tops are a a 7.5-point road favorite. Do they win? Do they cover, Scoots? That hook scares me. I think they win. I do not think they cover. I'm right. We are in lockstep here. I think the Tops win. I think Jacksonville State covers. Everyone, enjoy your Tuesday evening. Scoots, big thanks to you. Enjoyed it. Oh, yeah. You'll be back tomorrow. We'll see you guys right back here tomorrow, 3 o'clock. Go Cards. I picked up the cash flow, then we played those, and I'm yelling domino, plus nobody I know.
LA. Today was a good day.